Hello and welcome to episode 323 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. Plenty to get into this week. Arsenal drop points for the second week in a row. Manchester City have been charged with breaking financial fair play rules around 100 times over a nine-year period and have somehow managed to position themselves as victims. VAR had its worst weekend in a long time. The NBA world was turned on its head as Kyrie and KD left Brooklyn. Islam Makachev came out on top in a battle for pound-for-pound supremacy. And we had the small matter of a Super Bowl. First though, TK, how are we doing today? A lot to get into there, haven't we? Uh, I'll tell you what, it is depressing how... I realise I'm coming into this thinking, I feel good today. Why do I feel so good going to the pod? It's literally because Liverpool haven't played yet. (laughs) That's where we're at with things. So if we had done it post-Monday Night Football, we may have had a different tone. Yeah, usually I would be dogging Jack here if it was that he'd fed me an excuse. We're actually off work today, the Super Bowl. Stayed up for that last night. Jack, I mean, you could say he doesn't have the commitment to stay up and watch the Super Bowl if we were going to flip it on his head. Or Uh, resigned from his job so he could do a last-name pod. Exactly. But... uh, no, we're clearing the schedule. This could be a make or break for Liverpool, making sure things are clear <laughs> and uh, we'll be there. Just to get everything else out of the way, movie madness out this Friday, the final matchup of round one, the Denzel Derby, training day part two versus two guns. I'll be joined by Kieran again and we'll be going through that. News of the week though, before we get into the sport. Not a lot's happened, but a lot has happened. I've got one particular favourite amongst this list, but McDonald's have agreed to take down McCrispy advertising billboards that was erected next to a sign for a local crematorium. <laughs> I like that they've agreed to it. Like they've made a real compromise. Well, I believe there. I believe a lawsuit was filed, and uh, Jesus, before anyone had to pay anything out, they just said, "Look, can we just take this down, and we'll just call it a day." Um. Prostate cancer gave man Irish accent. (laughs) (laughs) It's not all bad then. It's not all bad news for it. Margot Robbie says she found Leonardo DiCaprio's cigarette in her butt crack after sex scene on Wolf of Wall Street. Blimey. It's... I tell you what, we're probably twenty years removed from some probably some bad stories about Leo, aren't we? We're all just going to laugh about these things now, and it's going to get progressively worse. Uh, enough cocaine to supply Australia for a whole year was found floating in the Pacific. <laughs> You'd be fuming if you've lost that. Yeah. Should have given it to that bear. Um, golf ball successfully removed from teens' anus at Royal Adelaide Hospital. <laughs> We're back into our wheelhouse again, aren't we? Yeah, it's bad that I could have given you the first four words of that headline, and you would and have I known knew where, where we going. were going for sure. Like if I'd said eye socket, you know, oh blimey, <laughs> doesn't hit wrong, the same. Wrong orifice for this. Pod. Yeah, and the fact that it's I say only a golf ball, which maybe shows where we're at. Yeah, the fact that I'm not particularly impressed by that. <laughs> and uh, Mars find after workers fall into vat of chocolate. Augustus, Augustus. <laughs> So there you go. There is your news of the week. Um, we'll start with the Arsenal game. We weren't the early kickoff, but there is method to this madness. So hopefully things will kind of flow smoothly as we go through. I made my return to the Emirates and it wasn't the happy day that I would have been hoping for. 
Arsenal dropped more points in the Premier League title race as Ivan Tony netted a 74th minute equaliser to earn Brentford a one-all draw at the Emirates. Leandro Trossard, the 27 million January signing, scored his first goal on 66 minutes after a rare nice bit of play really for Murdergaard and Saka, but unable to hang on for a big win. Lost 1-0 to Everton last weekend, needed a positive reaction here. All the Arsenal fans I spoke to, I mean, it was the same kind of tropes coming out. More nervous for this one than the City game. (laughs) Uh, You know, this game's more important than the City game. Uh, If you don't win here, then the City game's meaningless. All of these things coming out. And probably the first five to ten minutes, I thought Arsenal started really brightly. I was sat in a different position, so I sat kind of on the halfway line here. So I did get a better view of the guess the kind of tactical shifts throughout the game. There were some really nice patterns of play from Arsenal, ones that if you'd seen the Invincible team doing that, it wouldn't have looked out of place. But no real end product. And I said probably about three weeks into the season that I started to see a shift with Arsenal being treated in the same way that Man City did and that we were allowed to play out from the back ball because teams figured it's actually not worth trying to close them down and risking being beaten in the press. Uh, teams we've done this a couple of times with Arteta's uh, reign it takes a while but eventually you do get worked out as the analytics catch up with you and people know if not that they're able to stop you they know the best way to try and do it so Mm. Everton put the ball on the back stick where they know I think zonally that's where Erdegaard marks and so having Erdegaard on James Tarkovsky was a bold change when you're doing that this time around, Thomas Frank essentially said in his interview after, the way to stop Arsenal is to stop the wide men. And so they doubled up with the wide centre-back and the wing-back on Martinelli and on Saka. And basically said, Xhaka, Odegaard and Ketia, one of you has to beat us. They were so deep. Arsenal didn't seem to catch up to that plan and continued to float in crosses for Ben Mee to just head away and head away and head away. And then in terms of playing on the break, it was as good as I've seen any team do this to us. Um, United gave it a good go, but it's going to sound like sour grapes now. When you look back at the way United played against us, there was an element of fortune or just individual brilliance in the goals that they scored. The second goal they scored the smallest bloke on the pitch by about three feet is able to <laughs> scoop up the ball in a way that no other player on the pitch would have been able to. I'm not sure what's going on outside this window. Um, Rashford nutmegs party and bangs it in from 25 yards. This time around, I said to you on Saturday, that they play like a posh Burnley, Brentford. And some Arsenal fans around me were getting up in arms about that. I don't know how some people think teams are supposed to come and play us. If you're they're more and more of that, so yeah, brace yourselves. Try and pass us off the park. Teams have noticeably taken, say, five yards deeper they're deciding to sit in. And in Tony and Mbuemo, they had two of the best outlets in this league, particularly in terms of the link-up between them. It wasn't like in a way where United could have pressed with Weghorst and Rashford and they wouldn't have had the same understanding 
that Abuemo and Tony do. When one of them goes to it, the other one knows exactly the position to pull off into. Their movement's great between the two of them. It's incredible. Tony and Arsenal have been exchanging jabs since the opening day of last season. And it continued this weekend. He was really up for it, maybe too up for it. (laughs) He's finishing suggested so. He competed for 13 aerial duels on the day. He won 10 of them and he bullied Saliba throughout. Hmm. Saliba didn't win a single duel all afternoon. And it's interesting because in the FA Cup, Haaland had the look of Gabriel and he had the look of Rob uh, Rob Holding and he made the wise decision of well, maybe I'll pull myself onto Rob Holding out of these <laughs> two. Second half when Saliba comes on he pulled himself onto Gabriel and I think that is the consensus that most people would say he's the weaker of the two and I've been kind of banging the opposite drum. Yeah. Not that Saliba's bad just I think that's uh, that's the way it's been this season in terms of consistency and I do wonder how that's going to go on Wednesday now because Saliba, I think in terms of how he battles on the ground, I think Saliba is far more likely to say, I'll stand you up and you can try and knock it past me and I'll back myself to get there first. Yeah. Whereas Gabriel, it's probably something that I criticise Romero for and I mean, I should think Gabriel's better at this. He's going to be far more aggressive and try and beat you to the ball. Or if not, he's going to be right in your back and stop you turning. And that's the way he played against Antonio. And you saw a difference there in how um, him and Saliba dealt with him. Saliba tried to nick in front. That wasn't really working. The free kick that they actually win for the goal, which we'll talk about, it's not a foul from Saliba. It's a foul because Tony has got his arms wrapped right around He's one of the best for that in the league. And he won free kicks like it all day. The referee tried doing a way of I'm going to let this run and in in turn just completely lost track of what was and wasn't a foul. Yes, the danger with that, isn't it? Because Tony, in, again, anything I say of him here isn't critical because this is absolutely what he should be doing. He started just yelling as he was going down, which seems ridiculous, <laughs> but it was winning him the free kicks yeah, yeah, yeah. as the game goes on. Mm. Um, as someone that is strongly against gambling... I can't believe this man is allowed to play currently. <laughs> he was charged... When is this ban coming in? Yeah, charged by the FA for 262 alleged breaches at the end of last year. He's still yet to respond to the charge. I don't know if they're just going to... What we'll wait for away. you? <laughs> I'm, I was doing my Bible study at the weekend. I'm Mark 836. <laughs> What's good? What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Completely agree. Like I wasn't expecting this. When you were playing, when you were playing them just after Christmas, because we were told that like the second of January, I think you had to respond to them by. Yeah. It was like okay, we kept we played Spurs, didn't we? We were like okay, this might be his last game. Yeah, yeah. And then he got injured, and it was like okay, that might have been the last. People point. were going, do you get him out of your FPL team? Because why well, he's not going to be here much longer. Well, it would have been good if you had. <laughs> but Brentford, <laughs> they signed a striker, didn't they? And we yeah. were like, okay, they know what's coming here. Yeah. And then I was okay, all right, it's quite good. We're going to get him against Liverpool. Then he was injured. Unfortunately, it didn't change too much. Yeah. Turns out it makes a bit of difference. And then each week I'm seeing him, I'm like, okay, I do want to see him play. He's very good to watch. And then he got to this weekend and it was like, this is outrageous. Yeah. How the hell is this guy <laughs> being allowed to play? I think it's a bad look for the league 
that we're allowing this to continue. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, if the if things are proven, he's going to get a lengthy ban, and it just seems to be in similar fashion to other teams in the league that have things going on with their players. We're just going to ride it out until we're told that we can't here. Yeah, the thing with this is it seems presumably pretty provable. I, the, the way this has come about is you've seen that he's got these bets that he's had. I don't really know what more investigation is really needed into that. No, because if it's one where, okay, we've got intel that he plays three bets. It's like, okay, you could feasibly say, well, someone else on my account. I yeah. have that logged in on my account. I just didn't log out from years before. And then it gets to this time and it's like, how many have you got? Because I may have placed the one accidentally. 260. <laughs> I'm pleading the fifth. Just speak to my lawyer. If you have any, that number of charges on anything, I think you've got to go, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This, this is tough, isn't it? That man, I bet, was watching for a Gatorade bet last yeah. night. I bet he was. <laughs> and it was just horrible. And then the more it went on, he, he missed an open goal early doors. Um, he had a great pass in that Rico Henry the assumption in the, at the time was that uh, Ben White had got it clear and then I see on match of the day that Rico Henry's <laughs> just put it out for a throw shocker and then he has the one that's put across the box by Mbwebo and he hits the bar he had another one that actually wasn't on match of the day that was similar and he hit it wide and so I'll say for now before we get on to the goals I think they deserved at least a point. Yeah, yeah. But that isn't how these things work. If you don't put the ball in the back of the net, then far Brighton have had this. If Brighton won on expected goals, then they'd, they'd be have been top better, four yeah. the last like three seasons. We had to make some changes. It wasn't very good offensively. Zinchenko was trying to do a bit too much. There's some City fans that have been going, look, we're used to this. And two weeks ago, he was the guy they were saying that we're missing him. So it's changed very quickly to, oh, you know, you get used to this. Literally the sale of him has changed whether they can win the league or not two weeks ago. And now it's... And it's, it. it's a tough one because we criticise players for hiding in the tough games. And ultimately he's doing the opposite yeah, yeah, of yeah. hiding. And I said after the Everton game that teams, not that they didn't realise before, that they found a method to stop him pressing into midfield. Yeah. And I don't know if it was the three shots he had against Everton that Thomas Frank was like, we'd rather you do that than Saka do that. Yeah. And we'll let you have this space in the middle of the park because they didn't play Josh De Silva in there. And I thought he would be in there if just for legs, if nothing else. No, really, the midfield was bypassed in transition almost every single time. They're so good at doing that as well. And they just, they can draw, draw you on. And the way they then isolate. Tony and Abuelo against defenders yeah. is, is because you watch it a few times and you think certainly with Liverpool and we're probably guilty of it you go well they're, they've got to read this and stop sort of feeding into their hands but then you watch them do it to team after team you're like well this is something they're doing it's not just that maybe the quote unquote sort of better team is being too gung-ho and going for it too much it's more that they're able to manipulate this so often that Tony and Abuelo get into space and I remember even watching them against, in the United game against them they should have like, absolutely routed them. The amount of counter-attacks they had on that they didn't make the most of, it was ridiculous. Well, not even that I didn't know they were good because I'd obviously watched them in the Man City game where that was far more backs to the wall than they probably were here in terms of clear-cut chances. 
I watched the game against Spurs where they had the lead, but also Spurs could have had several in that game. Uh, the game against you, it looked like they were trying to give you an opportunity to get back into the game. Yep. And so after we lost to Everton, I can't for you, I said to someone, I had a look at the fixture list and it was, okay, Brentford at home next. Can't complain too much in terms of what you want to get back. And then I saw this stat in the week and it was like, their record against the big six, I think they've dropped. I don't think they've lost to any of the big six no, yet. it's phenomenal, isn't it? Uh, they were unbeaten since October, now 10 unbeaten. It was like, okay, I don't feel good about this. <laughs> but then at the same time, we, we were missing Erdegaard in that August time where we beat them 3-0 away and having seen what they did to other teams at the time, okay, maybe we're just a bit better than, than I mm. thought we were. So I was just desperate get the early goal and make them come on to us. Yeah. And it did, we eventually do get the goal. Saka, for the first time, really gets some uh, change out of the fullback. Bit of strength, put it across the box and Trossard is at the back stick to prod it in. Martinelli didn't really just have much. The difference is that when Trossard came on, he got straight at the fullback and there's the jokes whenever Martinelli has a bad game that he's more Italian than Brazilian in his dribbling. <laughs> that he's born in Genoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this was it. Trossard came on and he was just doing the... If I was doing it, it would look ridiculous with the kind of faking like that. He's kind of <laughs> jinking, but the fullback was biting. He, he bit on like the first two and he sold him and he was just doing that again, but it was just giving them something else and he was just getting shots at goal. And then he arrives at the back stick. There's an angle from behind the goal where his movement is really good. But the question was at the time, was a like-for-like change what the game needed? Because the issue was that we had nothing centrally. And I and at the ground, I was saying, I wouldn't mind seeing Trossard in for Xhaka here. Yeah. Because the way they were beating us wasn't in transition. It was a long ball over the top. So it wasn't like the second ball and they were running onto that. Ultimately, Fabio Vieira comes on about 10 minutes later for him and does isn't able to do much. Um, when they did challenge him, they're far more physical than he can manage at this stage. Tough game for him, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Petrosa comes on for Martinelli. We get the goal. And then I looked at the clock and it was like 66 minutes. Oh, <laughs> I don't feel good about that. And then, what, eight minutes later, they score. Was coming, but Arteta's fuming after the game. I can kind of understand. <laughs> like replays show that the equaliser should have been ruled out. It was like it was like three minutes, I think, in the ground it took. And at first, I didn't notice anything. The one thing, if anything, I did was uh, Pinnock. I think it is is grabbing Gabriel's Holding. shirt yeah. as he's going to the ball. And I thought they're probably not going to rule it out for that because I didn't even consider the offside in that instance. And then it's tough messaging people on a stream. If it's on live, I can text someone if I get signal and say, What's how's it looking? On, yeah. And as I was ahead of uh, here, I couldn't message anyone with a stream to just even Go know in. what was going no. on. So just waiting and waiting. And look, you, you, you never want to be waiting too long just for how it, the experience is. But usually the longer you wait, the more confident you start to feel in that, there's something here at least. Yeah, yeah, I would have been feeling that way. And at the end of that, you know, 
please come on. I was thinking about how you said like September, probably November time about you think that Arsenal could break City's hearts. Hmm. And I was thinking, could this be the game? If that gets ruled out, it's just another one that we've just snuck through. Yep. And I thought, okay, maybe we've had some luck this season. I, I don't, I've not really had one where the VAR, other than the Martinelli one, like we've scored late and it's been taken away from us. And we've had a couple where the other team scored and it's been ruled out. And I was hoping and hoping and hoping. Goal gets given and it's like, I don't know if we've got enough here. But at the same time, they've brought some attacking players on to try and chase the game. And the game was more open from that point. Trossard has a chance at 1-0 where he goes through and he's peeled off on the right. And so there was no one on the left-hand side that got across for him to be able to square it. So he shoots from, I think, the edge of the area and just smashes it over. And then it's probably in the next play that they go up and score. Fabio Vieira comes on for Xhaka. Um, I think there was another change, but whoever it was didn't really make a difference. And you got to a point where you're like, you just can't lose now. And they had a corner late and it was off of <laughs> I don't know how much Ramsdale can be blamed for the goal. I think you can be stronger in terms of getting a hand to the ball. But at the same time, one, when it's offside, it's hard to blame the players. And two, when there's been like four opportunities to header it clear in the meantime, it's even tougher to blame the keeper. It's since been discovered that VAR official Lee Mason checked and cleared the block from Pinnock on Gabriel, which is mental in itself. Bad start. It feels ridiculous. It used to be a jab that People would throw at women mainly as a joke. You'd have on stock reds, you know the offside rule? That would be the, and we say each week now, it's tough to even know what an offside is and isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the blocker thing, I don't think I'd seen that played out much. There may have been something in the one of the Wolves-Liverpool games where that was into effect, but it's not something that I would look at for an offside and go, that's offside, he's blocking him off, no. rather than he's headed the ball. I've already seen it as blatant position. as this yeah. one. And so that one, they spent three minutes and then to spend three minutes and then rule that he didn't interfere is crazy enough in itself. Mm. To hear that after that, he didn't draw the lines for the Norgard offside where he heads it down. Danny Murphy made the point, I think it was on Match of the Day, surely that's the one you start with. That's the direct action that leads to the goal. That's and then the you work backwards. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you see it in, say, uh, Super League, where they'll do it and they'll check the offside and then they'll check the grounding. That feels far more simple in that you are just drawing a line and then the grounding is the more complicated decision. Yeah. This one is so simple if you start with this one that it's done in about 15 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they'd even spent too long looking at it, actually. No. You'd have done a line... And then, yeah, like you said, one of them the rest were, of it doesn't even come into play. We're watching on TV and it would be one that you'd go, okay, well, he's off. You wouldn't even have the moment of, okay, is it the angle we're looking at it from? Is it this? Is it that? No. It's, it's so simple. And the, the thing we've said before, do the test of, I don't tell you what's wrong with this. You tell me what's yeah. wrong. You'd have instantly gone to the Norgard one at first, wouldn't you? Yeah. You probably wouldn't even, even if you didn't see the block element or even know the, about the rule fully, that would have been the thing you first went to. So it's, it's odd that that isn't their first instinct as well. Because I was with you watching the UFC on Saturday and I wouldn't say 
I was calm in the sense that, okay, don't worry about it. But I kind of accepted the draw. Okay, we got away with some things. They got away with some things. I'd not seen the stills and I'd not seen it fully back for the uh, goal to see what Arteta was referring to. Um, Then I see the update on my phone, exclusive mail, I think it was. Lee Mason forgot to draw the lines. And your head's just gone at that point. Because what (laughs) can you do? No. It's... Just don't even say that they're going to apologise. Because who the hell is that helping? But that's the only difficulty you've got with that is, is that we do say we want refs to be accountable. Yeah. And so this is, I guess, is a form of accountability. Apologising for it, but yeah, it doesn't really do a lot because the, the the closest and the only difference here was, although it was directly impacting you, it wasn't directly impacting you. Was uh, the Everton one with the handball with Rodri that they came out after and they apologised to Everton, didn't they? Yeah. Said, look, we got it wrong. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of Liverpool fans doing that like it's going to make me feel better in the last couple of games and it's not to say that Brentford don't then push further up the field and they keep going and they keep going because the way they were dominating us in the air they may well have scored again but I do also think if we get through that 10 minutes then we set up Rob Holding probably comes on or this new lad Kivior comes on mm-hmm. Um I mean it says a lot that he wasn't trusted on Saturday. Jorginho maybe comes on and we centrally, we do just pass it around because we weren't struggling to knock the ball around. We were drawing them on really nicely from right from the goal kicks and able to go from one end of the pitch to the other in a matter of seconds. The issue was when we let them set up and get into shape and then there was no real creativity in there. It's like we need we need an Erdegaard on Xhaka's side, but we need an Erdegaard with a bit of physicality about them which is tough to find but there's players out there yeah it's very tough to find like you don't have to be as creative as Erdegaard you don't have to be I mean Jack is not the most defensively stable but you just need uh, some something in the middle of those two yeah someone I guess the Declan Rice Caicedo you can quite clearly see how one of those and then the party in the mix of that works Um, but the less said about that the better this whole thing goes across and then on the way home I've already seen the drawings of that the PGMOL have confirmed that a human error had led to Estupanan's goal for Brighton being incorrectly chalked off in a one-all draw at Crystal Palace. Lee Mason, by the way, is the same bold idiot that ruled out our goal at Old Trafford, which they apologised for then as well. So You've got apologies. So if you've got the points, but you've got apologies, so... We just spotlight on the podcast last week about how these priests were abusing kids and then being reintroduced back into the system. I mean, oh, careful where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, oh. but the officials are just reintroduced to the same system. What punishment is it? No, it's true. If you punished me at work by giving me a weekend off, <laughs> yeah. If every yeah. time I did something wrong at work, I would say, "Take that, take Friday off, yeah. clear your head." <laughs> <laughs> you're not punishing me especially if I know there's no one com- there's no one come threatening to come and take my job no you know <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's being cut <laughs> it won't be but I hope people th- realise the direction I was going in there I think you maybe uh, just about pulled yourself away from the edge of the cliff yeah. for a second you, you see you see where I was going the parallel rather than the yeah comparison. exactly um, John Brooks in that game 
wrongly drew an offside line from the wrong defender. Oh, God. I mean, what can you say? James Tompkins was identified as the Palace player closest to the goal when it was actually Mark Gurhey. Now, we'll get on to it, but the Chelsea handball is slightly different as by definition that one is a subjective call. Despite us all seeing it's handball, that's... Say, the I mean, offside in, one isn't supposed to be subjective. Yeah, in the same weekend as those, it looks extra, yeah. extra awful, doesn't um, it? And the Premier League's VAR chief, Neil Swarbrick, was the one on duty in that game, Brilliant. which makes it even more Christ. insane. He deemed that Suchek was going to ground to break a fall. If this was another profession, like say this was a bank, this wouldn't be the case of the bank paying you a tenner short. This is the equivalent of the bank paying your money to someone else, <laughs> the decisions that they make here. And the pundits keep saying, VAR got it wrong this weekend, like it's an AI-controlled piece of software. It's just another idiot in a room away from the ground. The same guys you're complaining about that get the decision wrong on the pitch are the same guys in a room yeah. the next week. And they don't have to run around. They're not out of breath. They've got one job, and it's to sit in a room and make what are supposed to be almost non-subjective calls. Yeah. Like, we had the Fabinho one in the F- in the FA Cup. If you show that to 10 people and say, is that a red card? 10 people, even the strongest Liverpool fan is going to go, yeah, that's a red yeah. card. Fabinho himself is going to write, this is going to be a red. And so, right the whole way through, you just don't trust anyone. The, the Athletic have reported that Howard Webb is called a previously unscheduled meeting on Tuesday after the offside calls and the other errors to basically reprimand everyone and a couple of them have been removed from action. One of them has been taken off the Liverpool game tonight. One of them has been taken off the Arsenal game midweek. But we did this the other week where every team claims that a certain referee is against them. And the worrying thing is that I... Don't even bother to look at the appointments for each week. But no matter who you see appointed your team, you can go, ooh. And that's everyone on the list. Yeah, so like, there's that's no it. There isn't you anyone you go, off. Oh, we're in safe hands tonight. No. And like Michael Oliver had a bit where it looked like he was becoming that guy and then that slipped away. Yeah, I'd said it like a week before and then he gave Martinelli <laughs> the two bookings back to back <laughs> in the same game. And it was like, what the hell is going on here? And it's making them look worse because... In so many times now, they don't make a decision because they're offset into the guy in the booth. And the guy in the booth is going, look, we've been told not to interfere unless we have to. Yeah. Yep. We also had Lamina being sent off for being the third man running towards the ref in the Wolves game. So was that literally for well, that? Is that what did the, the FA haven't come out and said, look, he said something abusive. Mm-hmm. So we're going on what Nether said. Yeah. But yeah. he says... Why didn't you put me or... Um, yeah, he says the yeah, referee but- told him that because he was the third person to run in, that was the reason that was that the turning point. he was sent off. Blimey. And Lineker was trying to make the case on match day, like, look, maybe he said something abusive. We've seen players run towards a referee and we could probably oh. put on any match here, if you just searched a match on YouTube, there's going to be some instance of a player sprinting towards a ref. And screaming something yeah. awful at him. And so that's what. I'm, so even if he's not said anything, it's not. He hasn't even sprinted at the ref. He's the furthest away. Yeah, he's doing yeah. it. He's not even reached the ref. He's mm. just patting the arm. <laughs> it's just insane. And it's we get some games where the referees are shit, but because it adds to maybe the heat of the fixture. So like you can have a shit ref in a North London derby, but maybe you let Xhaka get away with a 
70-31 or 30-71 on Eric Dyer. And then 10 minutes later, Romero boots Saka in and you let it fly. And they'll go, look, the referee's letting it flow here today. And we just excuse shit refereeing the whole time, just if it adds to the entertainment factor, whatever it is. They just find different words each time. When they say, you know, there's a real directive in the league this season that the threshold is going to be a bit less. I don't think anything ever changes. I think we maybe just look at it better and we have the excuse for them to get these things wrong. That typically only is at the start of the year as well. So at the start of the season, we're going to be the threshold higher. You have a couple of games where you see, Jesus, some challenges are flying in here. And then it kind of reverts to type and it's some refs are more picky, some are more lenient and sometimes the same ref will do a different approach yeah. each week. For an offside call, we're supposed to be able to take it at face value, like no arguments. They drew the lines. Because we were doing that before, weren't we? We were saying, yeah, that looks... But they drew the lines, so obviously he's offside. Yeah. And now, the last couple of weeks, you're even going to have that. Because we had it, but we laugh at Jack when he's going, you know, they didn't draw the line right. They bent the line. And you have it where people <laughs> are saying, you know, they drew the line at the wrong point of when the ball left his foot because the Premier League doesn't have the frame rate possible which is to be able to do it. Just- and then we've got the Arsenal-Liverpool game where they say, you know, we didn't have a camera in the right position to be able to judge whether Saka was onside or not. And You can't constantly say we're the best league in the world while not investing to be the best league in the world. It's the same criticisms that we have of the British board in boxing where they won't let foreign officials come in to do non-world title fights because they say, look, it's, we're the jurisdiction here. We should be able to do it. It should be a case of the Premier League has been better since all over the world, the best players have gone, I need to go and test myself in the Premier League. Yeah. We should be scouring the whole way across in the way that the World Cup does or any other and say, you were good at the World Cup. Come and manage our here. You're the best here. And get rid of these twats that we have <laughs> every week. We shouldn't see an English official next season in the league. Yeah, it, it smacks of a boys' club, doesn't it? In terms of uh, yeah. they just stick in the job. That I mean, two minds on the. You're right about the. Every time you see a person, the name or whatever, you're like, oh well, he's gonna have a shocker. I mean, I mean, two minds on that is one. We probably just got too much access now in terms of we see too many games, too too much access. So we know these guys' names. Where once upon a time we might have said this ref shit, but we didn't know. You you'd know I don't know like Jeff Winter, but other than that, you wouldn't know so many others. But the flip side is that's because they don't rotate referees. There's none. And by the way, I mean, that's shit in the lower leagues as well. But if you might be able to pick up someone who's been doing really well in the championship and go, right, he has a Premier League game this week. But instead, we get the same old faces. Like I said, at worst, you miss a week and then you're back in. And is that a punishment? Is that Have you learned about anything in that? Even the apology always feels like, we better do this. But it doesn't feel like, are you actually learning from it? Are you actually going, you know what? We were wrong here. I won't do that. In future, I'll learn from it. It just feels like a PR move more than anything. Yeah, printed printed signatures that the bloke's probably not even seen. It's just you know, yep. change the name at the top. Yeah, because yeah. the big thing wasn't there when there was a guy from the Australian league was coming over, and I yeah, there being yeah. a big thing at the time. Is about- it the one who's mic'd up? So yeah, he explained his things and people like that. And not sure you could do that. It's yeah. just in saying this doesn't happen. There's also the feeling, um, and there has been for some time, that you can get away with more during a three o'clock kickoff because. They aren't televised over here, and so, so you don't get the same scrutiny. level of scrutiny. But there's people all over the world now that can watch Arsenal-Brentford on outside of the UK and be doing that. Maybe maybe Palace-Brighton is one that you think, oh, can we, 
I don't know if the ref thinks they can get away with that, but the the VAR and the FA and that think there's yeah. a bit more leniency and maybe we don't put as much resources some, into that. I think there is something too. The level of scrutiny isn't the same as on a, a Super Sunday. So there probably is something to that in the same way as there's something to um, just officials. So if you're a, a quote-unquote big club, you, I would say a, a 50-50 might become a 60-40 in favour of the big club in, in some occasions. But in general, it's just sheer sort of incompetence. And that's the only thing that erodes people's argument about agendas against their club or whatever is that it's just so incompetent all round that you'd have to actually be quite good to have an agenda. Is You have to have some level <laughs> yeah, yeah. of ability to, to fuel an agenda against the club. Because people have known Lee Mason's name for all the wrong reasons for years. Yeah, and again, kind of a bit of a poster of uh, fat refs as well, which is unfortunate. <laughs> he, he was the guy who... Well, when West Brom were in the league, so what, two seasons ago? What was the first season of R? Where there was the game between Brighton and West Brom where the quick free kick was taken and he was claiming he hadn't blown his whistle and then he had blown his whistle and then they restarted it. And then they stopped the game to send him over to the monitor and then he looked at his own error and then pulled it back and then didn't start the game correctly again. And you had him being laughed at by Merson and Jeff Stelling. Yeah. On yeah. Saturday, going like in stitches, going, This is the worst thing I've ever seen in all my time watching football. What the <laughs> hell is going on? And I saw the headline from years ago coming back to the surface of uh, 2011. Seth Fabregas was once again forced to justify his behaviour last night after it was claimed he accused referee Lee Mason and his officials of being paid during a half time rant. <laughs> You shouldn't be able to search a referee's name in the first like six things that come up. I said at the time, and I hated him anyway, so I did have an agenda there. It was horrible the way that Mike Dean was held up as this hilarious figure when he retired, in that I don't think that helps referees moving forward to not want to make themselves the face of a game. Make, yeah, make the focal point. Yeah, agreed. The, uh, the other thing I think, I thought this was a pretty good case in point in the Arsenal game is I think... The only thing in the VAR booth is a scramble to make this decision quickly. Yet, you've somehow managed to make it really slow and incorrect. Yeah. There is kind of a, right, we've taken three minutes. What do you want to do? Uh, goal or no goal? Go, uh, yeah. Okay, go. It seems to me there's like that scramble, like almost like last minute revision. And the one, you're supposed to be officiating a game in a way that isn't a late scramble. That I hate doing it, but when the rugby officials make the decision, there's a very clear thorough, there's yeah. never a feeling that they're scrambling to make something here. That's what they're doing in football. And if you're doing that to expedite the game, I'll go, maybe I might go, I'll accept you're going to get some decisions wrong because you're going to have to do it in 30 seconds. So. Yeah. But they're not doing that. They're taking the time and still getting it wrong. So you're getting the worst of both worlds. I mean, the, the It's kind of every, every fear someone would have had about technology going into it being brought yeah. in. Kind of being realised, really. We had the thing about uh, thicker lines and things this year, and then the offside in the Leicester Spurs game. And genuinely, I would say this, if the Spurs player had scored the goal, you've got a fuzzy picture with a thick line. And then I don't know how you're saying that Harvey Barnes is offside by a toe in that instance when you look at the freeze frame. I don't know the answer to this. I don't know if, if you want consistency, and I don't think this is a good idea, by the way. Say you have this big room with all these screens up on uh, uh, in a VAR booth 
and it's okay, you, Lee Mason, whoever, you're in charge of handballs and you're in charge of handballs for the season. And so you have some consistency that look, we flagged up by VAR. You officiate this handball. Is it a handball in this game? You're someone, you're doing bad tackles. You get just on your screen, you're not watching the game. You get the tackle put on your screen and you've got to judge the screen there. You're doing offsides. You know the offside rule. You've got everything down to a T. You'll go through all the processes every time there's a goal scored and you have to say whether this is offside. I don't know if that's a better way of doing it and then you would at least have some level of consistency across the board, but it's insane we could go from top to finish. You could say you can look at a map across the UK of where all the officials are. You shouldn't have like seven Premier League referees that are all from the Manchester area. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that is problematic. Because you you go down and, I mean, you can see that there's this, like, I think it's like David Coote and his display picture on like LinkedIn or whatever it is and he's having a selfie at Old Trafford and it's like this shouldn't be things that go up and down the list and every time we aren't the people that should be working out the methodology to get things right but if we can come up with things like this in 15 seconds there must be ways of doing it yeah I don't know if they're going to bring in the automated offside as well does that work for the blockers then as well because if if that is a rule I don't know how that would work that is it yeah I, I kind of questioned in general how automated offsides would work because of the, the issues we faced currently already with here. Obviously, at the World Cup, it seemed like it had worked out. Yeah. But at the same time, was that just that you didn't have an instance with a blocker, for example? So I thought it what was, happens the first time that comes up? I thought it was worrying, and I know they have to do their due diligence, but in a time when we're saying that time is of the essence, there was a goal line clearance in the Newcastle game, and then VAR actually went, to double check that it hadn't crossed the line. And that, I thought, was worried in itself that they weren't trusting the technology. Which you'd have thought the goal line technology was the most solid when they turn it on, yeah. rather than something yeah. they forgot to, which only cost a team their place in the league. It's not no big one. And so I, I don't know. It's, it's scary. And when it happens like this, you are more irritated as it is your team. But if we're going down and we're still not getting the right call. We're no further forward than when we didn't have VAR. No, no. And you're getting a... A worse product. A diluted product, yeah. Exactly. Well, I, so. The the Enketia goal uh, to beat United, and I'm not celebrating that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the case. I do think that if uh, VAR wasn't in existence, then the linesman probably flagged that as offside. So maybe that, that is, is the, yeah, the, the flip side, side to that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I and I wonder if you took it away now, I think you'd see a lot oh, definitely, of definitely. edging the side of caution on almost every slightly close decision, wouldn't you? Which would be a definitely. Problem. But there's there's a challenge um, in the Brighton game, I think it was with um, McAllister, who's got his whole boot like right full shin, mm. and the AR doesn't pull it up because they say, "Well, the referee saw it." So yeah, <laughs> we can see it on a replay, and they take a second angle to go, "Okay, no, that is definitely off." And um, well, look, um, Brighton, well. Fabinho didn't have one given against them, so therefore they're Rodic. So that's obviously yeah. how it works. Obviously, exactly. Yeah, the the Stupanan goal, that's his first ever Premier League goal. So their job the result. And the people, so we go back and I I'm still complaining about the Martinelli one at Old Trafford. People say we lost three one and it's like well the whole game state changes. Yes. So it's not yeah. quite no. the same as that. In if Arsenal score and Brentford get let off. Maybe they think, 
well, look, we've got someone in this and they push everyone up and then we've got Trossard and Saka peeling in behind and the wide players are pressing up so we've got more space. Same people would probably tell you that if the Lampard goal against Germany had been allowed, we would have changed the complexion of that game. When you go, well, in that case then. It's, it's just crazy, but for all of it to happen in one weekend is, is the best thing that could have happened because... It, it is odd how often that happens as well. It's kind of like the buses with shocking, shocking decisions where you get two or three in the same weekend. Yeah, and the fact that these aren't subjective makes this even better mm. because they can't hide behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, elsewhere then, so we did have the Chelsea game and I was listening to it on the radio um, driving in. Chelsea, and I've since watched it back, came out firing in the first 20. Mm. And the same happened against Fulham. As I remember last week, I said, oh, I messaged Harper. They looked like a comprehensive outfit and then everyone gets a bit shook on Twitter, like, oh God, this project might be working. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other team offers a little and Chelsea, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm. <laughs> we nearly conceded there. We best not press forward too much. Yao Felix plays to start here. None of this six months to adapt nonsense. Come in, cook in. And I tweeted at the time that he had to come in and he was going to have such a short spell to prove that yeah, well, yeah. You need to be able to pin this on Atleti. Yeah. And he, yeah. he's played what now? About 100 minutes of football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in that time, he's managed to prove that, yeah, you are a, you are a silky player to watch. Yeah. I think we got a, a decent indication of that at the World Cup as well, didn't we? I thought it was a, yeah. a fairly good shot window for him. Not perfect, but, but we even good. judge, we say about players like Ziyech and it's like, yeah, international football's different. We're going to see. This guy's yeah. running it. And you kind of thought, well, there's so much sort of chaos going on at Chelsea and so much going yeah. on. And you thought, could he get lost kind of within it? And particularly in a, in a short loan spell. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he does. I mean, it is a shame because I do like him as a player. Yeah. <laughs> he ended up at Chelsea. Um, well, he was asked um, like what happens after this season and he said he likes <laughs> Chelsea. He very careful, didn't he? <laughs> but he also didn't say, well, you know what, I'd, I'd love to stay here. And say... And also didn't slag out that either, which no. you've got to be careful. Sabitzer was asked about staying at United and I'll ask you about him later. But he was like, you know, I love the crowd here. I love Old Trafford. I'm technically on loan at the moment, but we'll see what happens at the end of the season. Yeah, Felix is like, you know, anything can happen. <laughs> Someone better might come in for me. That, when I, when I see that, the Mudrick one, I'm about to ask ask you about him. I, I'm quite comfortable as it stands, as this season's going on. Trossard, Mudrick, I'm happy with what we've got. And I say that when he's not even played 200 minutes of football yet, um, Mudrick in the Premier League. The, the thought that it could be Yao Felix in there where Eddie is, is one that is... is <laughs> and I say that with no insult to Eddie, but just in no, terms just, of another attacking option, when I look to what we were bringing off the bench on Saturday, that one, I know the money was ridiculous. You're, you're looking about 20 million all in with wages and signing and all of that for, for six months. And who knows then when it yeah. comes to actually signing him, how much but, you would then have to... But that looks like that looks like it could have been helpful. That yeah, it would have been interesting. Him at Arsenal, Christ. And I say this having seen him for a half a foot before he gets sent off, and then 
extended highlights of a Chelsea West Ham game and yeah, it, he still looks like he's cooking. It does. It's the difficulty with him obviously is going to be can he do that consistently? And he's in a Chelsea team that isn't consistent. Well, I mean it's been consistently pretty dull, but that's about the only consistency they've had in terms of performance and creativity. I guess he's got to be the spark part of the way he's that's been brought mean, in. Probably would have been easier in our system. hundred percent, yeah. If if you'd said to me he's joining Arsenal, I'd go, this will work out. If you said to me he's joining Chelsea, I'd be saying it might work out. It might be what they need or it might be. I actually wouldn't be surprised if, if we inquire at the end of the season and say, how much are you selling him for? I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure because a lot of clubs will go in for him. Arteta went in for him. He's been out, what have we had, about six transfer windows since he's come in. He's gone for Felix and three of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Also do the same with Jorginho though, so take that with a pinch of salt. Got his man in the end. Yeah. The interesting thing with him, again, the consistency but also is this, he seems, the good news is, really determined to prove, you know what, I am this 120 million fan football or whatever. Yeah. Atletico is just a bad fit for me, me and Simeone, I am the guy. Does that determination run out? Is this a Coutinho loan spell? I know they're at yeah, very different yeah. stages of their careers, but yeah, I'd, I'd back him not to be, but I think if you're going to cover big money on him, that is a risk. I guess maybe even Adebayor is a comparison where you go, he's fine on the lows bow, then someone coughs up the money for him. It's a different thing. Maybe he just feels more comfortable, which, yeah, which you would do. If, if you were going, right now you've got a four-year contract, of yeah. course you'd feel more comfortable. Because he's had patches at Atleti where you have looked and gone, okay, he's cracked the system. Well, yeah. He's the guy. Yeah. And even there's some variances in that, say Griezmann's obviously made things work in as a striker at Aleti and others have as well it may just be that this type of striker he looks like he needs space to roam and so maybe it would have been more difficult for us in the teams West Ham and they adjusted things after 20 minutes weren't going into a game of Chelsea saying we're scared of you and they're 17th in the table or whatever they are yeah so yeah, he is he is given more range and one of the huge things that's a problem for Atleti in general is that they're a defensive minded team who are better if you're coming onto them whatever most teams in La Liga are worse than them so they're going to go we're going to sit and you're going to break us down yeah. and they're looking at you going I don't know what to do it's one of the big limitations Simeone's got is that he seemingly hasn't really figured that out other than you have the occasional years where someone is able to spark it like Suarez in the year where they win the league there, for example, kind of when he doesn't have that X factor, he's not able to. I guess if you're being critical of Felix, you go, well, you should have been that guy. But I think style-wise, he's just, it's just a bad fit for them. It would be very Chelsea to sign him, sack Potter, bring in Simeone. So <laughs> uh, it would be great just for you, Felix content. For that. And then, I mean, I mentioned Mudrick brought off again mm. in this game. He's now came on for 20 minutes against Liverpool, played 45 minutes against Fulham and played about 60 minutes against West Ham. Um, I'll say this through a smirk. That guy looks like a piece of work. <laughs> um, Chelsea, fortunately for him, are in that stage that a lot of Liverpool fans are in, uh, a lot of United fans were in, where they hate their players enough that you can get away with being a player and slagging off one of the older ones. Yeah, Kukure does seem to be a, a bit of a figure of hate as well, so you can, exactly. <laughs> you can really do so that to him. He 
like to picture, and I'm like, I realise how trivial this all sounds. Yeah. We did these things for Aubameyang, and these things do make it different. I mean, it's we, an odd thing to do, just because you must know this is going to come out. It's I mean, not going to be... Uh, we can go way back. Todd Bowley liked a thing on Twitter slagging off Cucurella last week, <laughs> saying that he wasn't fit to play for the club. You signed yeah. him. <laughs> Incredible. Um, and then Graham Potter was doing the... I think you need to be a bit older to plead the ignorance. I don't know how social media works. Yeah, he's probably just about, especially as he's sort of supposed to be sort of the poster boy for the sort of hipster young coach. Yeah. I don't think you can go, oh, I don't know about that sort of thing. No, because I think Arteta would plead the ignorance like, oh, I, I don't know uh, that that's happened. But saying, oh, I don't know how social media works. Well, you've just been told that he's liked a tweet slagging off your player. That's not... A, that's not a hard one to really like work out. No, no, we're not asking you to uh, like program a computer here. You can't really do like a Neil Warnock, can you? If he said it, you go, yeah. I can buy that. I can buy that he doesn't understand this. So he liked an Instagram post that alluded to Cucurella refusing to pass to him. And it was in one box. He's There was the Drake meme, wasn't there, where he's put his hand up in the one picture and then the one, I think yeah. it's from Hotline Bling. Hotline Bling, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's Mudrick in the one picture, the hands up, and then it's like every other attacking player in the second picture. Right. And then there's a video which, I mean, I've not verified myself. Enough people have come out and said, no, this is a correct translation where he's speaking with Matt Vienko, who is his friend from Shakhtar. And he says, you need a new left back, huh? And he says, definitely, or something along those lines. Okay. Um, Chelsea fans are posting compilations of every time Cucurella passed backwards and <laughs> apologised afterwards. <laughs> Jesus. It's funny how these things happen because I could not have envisaged him being the guy that in that squad that you'd hate. No. Yeah, um, his career's changed they do, very they, quickly. They do love Chilwell, don't they? So maybe makes more sense. And it probably... They- at a time where they spend big money on players and they're not sure if it's worked out, him costing sixty million is yeah. the maybe the, the biggest one. Oh, the Cucurilla thing as well is another advert, and even for Mudrick as well. Although we don't know how that one will end, that sometimes you need to be more like these Serie A players. We tried, we tried to sign Locatelli, we tried to sign Vlahovic, and both said flat body offer, but we're joining Juventus to the point where we've had higher offers accepted than either of those offered. We yeah. offered between 60 and 80 million euros for Vlahovic. Juventus were offering a loan deal with an, eight, <laughs> yeah. with an 80 million pay paying in two years. And because Vlahovic said, no, I'm only going to Juventus, Fiorentina accepted it. Yep. Mudrik refused to do that to Shakhtar and this shite of you know I've got too much respect for the club got too much respect for the club then you're not posting yourself in an Arsenal shirt <laughs> and all of this so don't give me that nonsense yeah exactly um, did all that Cucurella was look dreams the Athletic say and he dreams of moving to Man City and playing for Pep Guardiola he's Spanish and he really respects him and then they reject 45 million and he puts up a stink, he misses training. But the second Chelsea come in and say, look, we'll pay 60 million. He goes, yeah, see you later. I'm out. It can backfire. It backfired for Caicedo. And I mean, 
Never before have I seen a player receive zero blame for handing in a transfer request and it all get attributed to new agents. Incredible. You know, the lad, the lad's made a mistake. What <laughs> was this one? But sometimes you, you, it's your career and yes. you have to do it. It's not going to make you popular and you have to work out how you want to do it. But Felix, we battered at the time saying, if you want to get out and prove a point, Chelsea's not the best place. Maybe he backed himself and he's going to make it work. But I think you can probably bully some of these clubs easier than you can bully uh, Atletico Madrid. So That's it, yeah. The Madrid one, I wouldn't be con- I wouldn't be concerned about most of the stuff in isolation, but put together, yeah, like, like the you know the the liking of a tweet, or whatever, like you said, pre-trivial, I wouldn't think much of it. But the fact that he it's kind of been brought to Chelsea under duress, if you just basically said today, wait, he wanted an Arsenal move, didn't happen, but he went, wow, this will do, yeah, and obviously a fair bit of money. Um, Faxes in, then he's then saying other things and sort of getting to alienating a squad that is supposed to be trying to gel somehow yeah. with all these new players. Uh, that would be a cause for concern. He does look like someone who is a talent, but might be that temperamental talent. Yeah, he, he had he had a really nice pass in that game for Havertz that gets ruled as an offside goal, and he obviously he obviously has talent. I mean, mm. it's it's easy, if I don't dunk on him now, then. Why don't we have to do this in six weeks? You've time. got to get it in now, yeah. Um, and it helps the Trossard scored. Wiggles just scored before uh, Madrid has the stretch five. So it's 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 tough, but I don't know. Sometimes we can't say player power is a thing until the player has the power to decide their future, and they go, "I've got power, but not that much power." You can't sometimes you're trying to ask your agent to do too much, but it's like sending your mum in to speak to the doctor for you. They're not maybe going to take you seriously unless you go in and tell the doctor yourself. (laughs) This is happening and I need to make it work. I don't know. The most egregious thing in that whole game is Emerson refusing to celebrate. That bowled my piss that you would not believe. Is outrageous. (laughs) For scuffed finish... Who do you think net. you are? I always think with that. It's like, what, what, what status do you think you hold? Well, because they loaned him out, didn't they, for like two to three seasons. They tried to take him back in the middle of last season when, would you believe it, um, Chilwell was injured <laughs> and Leon kept him. And then in the end, Chelsea ended up selling him. I, I don't know where your head's at because he goes to celebrate and then it's like something clicks and he stops. And it was like, were yeah. you thinking about this pre-game? Does he because- think like, yeah, does he think like Chelsea fans are going away saying, for respect that, thank God for that. Glad he didn't tarnish his legacy yeah. with us. They've got enough things to worry about. They were looking at Cucurella and he was on the other side. <laughs> they aren't worried about you. And he's celebrating in front of the West Ham fans as well. Like everything together. Bizarre that, yeah, really bizarre. He, you've had not the best start to your career at West Ham. <laughs> this should be the point where you really kick things in. Doesn't do it. Yeah, the thing is, I'm not even saying, you know, you don't have to have a shirt off jumping in the crowd, but a bit of a celebration is probably his okay. Arms in the air and it's like they locked up and he just put them straight back down. <laughs> Moyes' interview after that game, I, I love an honest interview. And um, he said, look, if you offered me a draw after 20 minutes, I'd have snapped your hand off. <laughs> <laughs> he said, we were struggling. Go on, Moyes. And then uh, ultimately they get the point. The handball, as we've said, 
The rule is supposed to be, and we've seen this get butchered several times. There was one, I think, last week, actually, where a player has fallen over, he's on the deck, and the ball has kicked his hand, and everyone went, yeah, it's no penalty. There was the dodgy one, if you remember last season, um, Arsenal United at the Emirates, where Cedric is yes. stumbling like that, and he slapped the ball away. Yeah. And I remember me and Langston were sat like right in front of it. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? And then the officials, and that's the first time I'd even heard of the rule that if you're using it to maintain your balance, then it's not classed as a handball. And that was a weird twisting of the rules. This one, it's like he's gone down to save it. It was a save, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was a good dive. And I was watching it in the concourse at, at the Emirates. And when you hear people almost collectively doing a Gary Neville, like, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, that's, I'm not sure you can you can not give that. Yeah, if I'd seen that in isolation, I'd have, I'd have gone, well, obviously that's given. Because watching it... Um, even question it. Watching it on mute, there's a moment a couple of minutes before where Jared... Bowen is going through and he appears to get to the ball maybe a split second before whoever the Chelsea defender is and he goes down and then the ball goes up to the end of the pitch and the game stopped and the guy next to me has gone oh betting suspended it's going to be a penalty and we've got no sound it was a head injury for Bowen who's managed to stop an attack by holding his head oh wow but you're assuming that and then Suchek has the ball in the back of the net it's ruled as offside, Declan Rice is offside. And then straight at the end of the pitch, it was like, well, the Chelsea are obviously going to score now. This is how football works. <laughs> and then when it's not given, you have the moment where you laugh because it's Chelsea. <laughs> and then you have the moment like, if that happened against my team, I would jump boy. off the top of the building. <laughs> and we didn't even know what was to come yet because this was the early kickoff. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. I mean, if that happens against Villa on Saturday, Jesus, I'll be. I mean, I'll, my head was on the moon after our game. I don't know where he's going to be after after Wednesday, and that'd have me in in bits. Um, Tottenham. A couple of questions here. It's a shame that we dropped points because that game looked absolutely hilarious um, mm. for a start. In just if we were to single out one player, what the hell is Dyer doing? in this match that's a great question I was being called a hater before the World Cup when I was saying this man should be nowhere near a team and I some people questioning calling me Arsenal bias when I said that Ben White should be playing ahead of him I mean this how many people were saying that is the, that's concerning he if you're going to be that type of defender your whole thing is that you're willing to engage you can't do the Van Dyke back off because I bat myself at the last second that I can I yeah. can block this or I can get a toe to it. Ultimately you're you're playing like you're just scared someone's gonna sprint past you, which maybe works twenty five yards out if you're playing a high line. Spurs play one of the deepest lines in the league. Yeah. And even still they have a lack of engagement. You can't put conceding four to Leicester down to not having Romero in there. No. No, you can't lose to Leicester on the basis of that it's I've tried my hardest to start to find a compilation of um, Pedro Porro's debut because the way it was 
being sold was, I mean... Like it was the worst debut ever, That's what Sherwood said, wasn't it? I've not seen a debut worse than this. Yeah. And we've seen some bad debuts in... (laughs) I mean, you got to think, he's filling in Emerson Royale space. Now, I know he had a good game the other day, but you'd have thought any sort of performance, you'd go, right, he's an an upgrade. Yeah. And so this happens, the... I think it's the goal to make it 2-1 that Iheanacho scores. Mm-hmm. Everything Spurs were doing, as I said, it wasn't just a loss. This was like, it's like you're making just a mixtape of errors. There's the goal with Forster jumping over the ball for the Harvey Barnes goal. That was horrible. Poro, maybe it says a lot that I just couldn't see him because I saw it at one Spurs compilation. compilation. It's like 90 seconds long and it's just him hoofing the ball upfield every so often. Madison and Ian Acho are cooking. Yep. We we know how good Madison is, but we, we don't know what his ceiling is, I guess. Ian Acho, I, I still feel like we don't really know how good he is. No. No, he's only ever been sort of a streaky player, hasn't he? And that yeah. run they had to the FA Cup final looked like he was coming good. And then he can go away and, and forget about it. The situation they've had for a little while, hasn't it, where Vardy started to decline, so he was starting to be hit and miss. Ian Acho was hit and miss. Pats and Dakar, similar. And you, let's face it, at the time when Iheanacho first broke through, it was around a similar time as Rashford. And we're like, well, look, just because this guy isn't English, he's not getting similar height. But, and you look at the two of them now, and you go, well, apart from the fact that one's obviously separated himself yeah. significantly, this guy's got to start putting something together or else he's going to be out of the league. Because if you can't do it at Leicester in a minute, no one else is going to take a punt on you. That, that one purple patch he had was scary, as you say, on the lead-up to, to the FA Cup. And I remember thinking, look, for the money he got picked up at, I remember at the time thinking, Liverpool should have had a look at like it. 20 mil? Yeah, like you that, think, yeah. well, a player that is his age, he's perfect. Um, I've, I've, it seems like it's clicked for him a little bit in terms of, I'm going to have to crack on here, because well, I was, if I can't... I was getting at the, the guy at work for bringing him into his draft team, saying, why are you, why are you bringing him in? He, he He's not played more than 70 minutes in the last 10, 10 uh, Leicester fixtures. Mm-hmm. Um, he does always get hooked. That is true. And so I've got a number of varying degree of Premier League strikers here and you just tell me if he's better okay. or worse. Shea Adams. Better. Ollie Watkins. <sighs> better. He's got more upside. Danny Ings. Same. Darwizzi. <laughs> worse significantly worse he said with not much conviction as they should uh, DCL oh. better Eddie and Ketia better for now and Buema worse I like Buema um, and the, the rest of we get to a level then where it's kind of like your Tony's your Mitrovic's I, I don't think you're putting no, him in that no. conversation but that, that's that's the thing with him it still feels like there's untapped potential there's there. more to come yeah I, I feel like it just seems like every time he has a dip in form and we look at some players so slightly different but I mean Martinelli's had a bad month maybe hmm. we're sticking with him uh, Ben White's not had the best couple of weeks he was he did a job on uh, Saturday but he was by no means one of the worst performers it seems like any time he has a dip in form, Brendan is just like, whoa, whoa, I can't be putting up with this and gets him out and maybe doesn't hold the same standards to other players in the team. Yeah, I guess that's the problem when you've got the sort of the attackers I've just described is that when one falls out, you try and put the other one in and just try and 
Brenner's trying to get like their purple patch at, at different times and partly when you're an under pressure manager as he is you kind of got to I do also think they are Leicester are the most almost momentum based team where when the going is good you look to them against Spurs some of their attacking play you're like this is a good team here this is what we've been missing but as soon as it comes on top for them it unravels so quickly like Spurs could have got one back I think Leicester would have suddenly crumbled. You, how can you look at that and say, how can that happen? Because you go, it's 4-1. It's obviously a comprehensive win. But they're just, they're fragile. And I think that must, as a player like Iannaccio, that must also transfer to him where he, if I start in bad form, it's going to escalate very quickly. Because they had moments in the Spurs game at the Spurs ground, didn't they, earlier in the season? Yeah. Where we couldn't believe the Spurs were losing to this Leicester team. And then Sun comes on second half and they're just a disgrace, Leicester. <laughs> But it's it's so weird. I know you spoke before, I think it was you, about how you're kind of in or you're out with Brendan. And at least at Liverpool, there was no real middle ground. Whether he learned from that, I'm not sure. Do you think Vardy is a particularly tough person to manage then in that situation in that he he's having to try and keep him in the middle ground and he maybe he hasn't had the chat with him, maybe he doesn't want to have the chat with him that... Look, we're happy for you to stay here, but yeah, you you're going to be a utility man for us at this point. Which Vardy can do that job brilliantly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah just whether he's happy with it, isn't? I think, in fact, if Vardy did an interview in in some regard, saying, "I realised my limitations, but I still want to keep playing at this level. I think I can contribute." Kind of in a way, Ben Foster was a bit beggy with it. <laughs> Troy Deeney tried it. And so he stayed in and around Watford. And there was talk that he was going to go to Everton when he was leaving there, yeah. which would have been a car crash when you look back. I think a team in and around the top six would then have a look at him and say, you can bring a lot in terms of pushing the strikers we do have, in terms of being someone that we can trust and we can bring off the bench for 15 minutes and know what you can do. Or he can stay at Leicester and say, it's not worth damaging what I have here but yeah. I don't think they would really begrudge him say not at this stage say probably. he joined Liverpool say they were like look Darwin we really do have the faith that you're going to be the guy for the future but we think there's maybe a couple of things that you can maybe pick up on and just get a knack for in the Premier League we're going to bring this guy in for two years and you're going to just sap his knowledge and just mm-hmm. do that I don't think the Leicester fans would begrudge him of it because ultimately he proved his loyalty when he, re- he rejected us the year after they won the Premier exactly, League exactly yeah Whenever people left, he stuck around. He, so. he had the option and there was the big thing that, you know, he's going to make his decision today and it never is that day. But no. I, rem- I remember refreshing Twitter and BBC Sport. Like, has Vardy made his decision yet? Is he coming to Arsenal? You were deleting tweets. You had to delete old Vardy tweets. <laughs> I mean, I do think he is a scumbag. Um, <laughs> and I think we're going to speak about the Man City game in terms of winning penalties. There's few scummier people to do it. But he does a very good job of it. and Mastered it. If you could bring him in, maybe this could be the updated pair check. He gets you 10 extra points across the season with what he offers. Let's hope it goes better than check if you do. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's not... Similar we said with Yao Felix. Obviously not the same three players. It's only a Nacho now to sort of show you're this guy or you're not. Because the thing about the other strikers you named there, they're already more consistent than him. I don't think there's as much upside to Ollie Watkins or Calvert-Lewin as him. But they've already given you 
they'll give you a guaranteed level. I mean, there'll always be a Premier League striker. He could feasibly, if he doesn't carry it on, he could not be. I was looking back down the fixtures because I'm well aware that it's to a science now that Ollie Watkins has one in five. <laughs> He's not had one in his last four. <laughs> So, Villa Park, lunchtime kickoff. Hang on, he scored against City, didn't he? He did, but I'm not really counting that. You're not counting it? No. Okay. Because it... I, One of his nicer finishes, as far as he goes. But it didn't feel like an Ollie Watkins game. There's a game, he has He games. didn't bully anyone. No. And, uh, yeah. You I, don't, I said, you don't have to tell me. I know. Um, Nathan Jones. <laughs> the, the, the writing's been on the wall for some time. He wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Southampton lost 2-1 this weekend at home two Wolves having been a goal up and played with an extra man for over an hour we've covered the red card already but for the first time since 98 it was five straight defeats at St Mary's at the final whistle boos were all around the place a supporter was thrown out for trying to hand him a P45 <laughs> Ainsley Maitland-Niles at centre back it's it would have been insane if he hadn't been sacked if he this hadn't weekend. Been sacked, yeah, yeah. Um, when you look, the Athletic have done a, a big feature on kind of what went wrong, and he's fallen out with various different Almost people. Everyone it seems yeah. like Southampton was a rash call in appointing him in the first place. His comments, I think you tweeted that everyone was just eagerly waiting for that press conference post-game. Couldn't wait. And then when you see, regardless of any cliches and truths in what he's saying, you can't come out and say, you know, I was actually more worried for us when I saw that they had 10 men. <laughs> yeah, that's... He said that he was, he was very apprehensive when he saw them being given a red card because then it gave them a free hit. They're down there with you, they ain't taking that as a free hit and if you're approaching the game like they were taking it as a free hit then is it 1-0 at the time on the record or 1-0 uh, 1-0 so if the manager's apprehensive or you're 1-0 up and the other team go down to 10 men should be going for the throat and that was clearly felt by Lopetegui who I've finally mastered saying that <laughs> name um, he actually went attacking yeah. when they were 10 men and usually you don't get that we praised Say prayed Man City when they did it against Fulham, they went down to 10 men and they had like 70% of the ball afterwards, mm. and their average position was in the opposition half. Very few teams can do that. We're top of the league, and I think if we go down to 10, I think we would struggle to do that. Mm. Um, I think even at your best, you would struggle to do that in the same way because when so much of your game is focused on pressing people, you just leave a massive gap. Well, we would have carried on trying and probably failed, yeah. So you'd have found some holes in it yeah this you can see the difference in uh, I guess Wolves assigned so many players that we've said before you don't consider the misses as much because we kind of don't notice them but missing by stealth their their scouting system they're bringing in young talent with upside Yao Gomez was wanted by four or five different teams across Europe and this is where the Premier League kicks in they can offer more money more wages more opportunity to put yourself on that stage there's something that we always say about players backing themselves and wanting to be the guy and choosing to come in and play for Wolves even when they were where they were They, I think they were if not bottom of the league 19th when they bring him in yeah yeah really impressive you bring him on at 
a goal down and then and you bring Giamatinho off and Adama Troy on at 1-0 down and if that's not impressive enough for what you think of your players if you're a Southampton owner that tells you what opposition think of the team that they're up against yeah yeah agreed and then when when Bednarak puts the own goal in like he does Nathan Jones must know I'm done <laughs> because yeah. when own goals go in like that well, that was straight out of the Jimmy Chiori catalogue and when I saw the the clip of his face that is one where if you weren't aware there was a camera on you you would cry in that moment because what the hell else can you do and that would be one one of those angry kids at school that just get so angry they cry yeah. and you would be in that situation you just need to release some emotion oh. that own goal because Southampton fans hate Bednarek anyway yeah, because yeah, exactly. he went to Villa didn't he and then mm-hmm. basically slumped back there when Wolves uh, when uh, he was recalled sorry kind of did the cardinal sin as well of, of starting quite well his career and then being an absolute disaster afterwards which is kind of worse than if you're just shit from the start I think he may have said some unpleasant things he did the club as well, when he left he? as well, yeah. yeah. Which, think ahead. <laughs> That's what Yao Phoenix is doing. You never know where you'll end up back It can at. work in your favour because um, John Wall did that, didn't he? So he's then been traded back to Houston <laughs> and they've gone, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> Just waved him and said, no thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think John Wall can be seen as uh, someone you want to replicate their career no. path. I don't think he's the a model. No, that's probably the only time you're going to hear Jan Bednarek and John Wall in the same sentence. That's what you came for for the pod for. A couple of other football-related topics. United, they snuck past Leeds. Um, Another game where I found myself doing the Breaking Bad clip. They can't keep getting away with this. Should we praise them for this or should we just say that inevitably the fortunes will run out soon enough? Sure, but then... You know, they've, they've had narrow, uh, you know, fell. If you look at the, the Palace result, for example, how many times are you going to get a late free kick and then someone bang a free kick like that? I guess they would count that that was bad luck on their part. So, yeah, it's... I think one of the more impressive aspects of Ten Hag's time with them is that this clearly isn't his quote-unquote philosophy. They're not exactly playing free-flowing forward that you'd associate with Ajax or whatever. But the fact that he's able to recognise what he's got and use it shows a pragmatism to him that maybe people didn't know he had and I think it's similar with Arteta in his early time at Arsenal obviously we've seen we're seeing now how he wants to play it wasn't how you were playing when you won the FA Cup but he knew what you had and how you had to get results so that's probably a feather in Ten Hag's cap at the minute maybe a tougher question for you to answer do they feel like the third best team in the league this season mm. No, but at the same time, I keep looking at that team thinking it's not very good and then looking at their league position and go, actually, they keep, and they keep picking up these results. Um, it feels closer to more the... Um, and this is probably a really... a bad perspective from a Liverpool fan's view, but look, there we are. It feels a little bit more like when Solskjaer came second. You know, well, look, technically they're second, but but that's you can't you can't really go, oh, well just because Liverpool and Chelsea haven't turned up. It's like, well, we are over halfway through the season they haven't turned up, so it's not like we're just both on a bad run. Um, I'm being told that retrospectively that was now a Premier League title for Solskjaer as well. That is it. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a Premier League winner. So, some of the clips from Liverpool accounts, I saw um, Chris Dumble posted and it was like, uh, on this day in whatever year, Liverpool 
hang on for a hard-earned point to seal the league title at Settlers <laughs> <laughs> Park. I saw what I was saying. Congratulations, Stephen Gerrard, league title winner. Um, thoughts on Sabitzer? I liked the pickup when we did the deadline day pod, and we were saying it was. A, uh, I think it looks just as good as I thought. I thought he's. I, I don't like it so much now. I've seen it. I think he. There's obviously. I was, what game was it? Was it the lead? Was it the Leeds game where I saw people saying like this midfield is like him and Fred against there's like there's just it's just energy. There's so much chaos. Not a lot going on in terms of quality, but chaos. But I think he's he's better on the ball than that as well. I think he's got a bit of quality. Um a lot of energy and like you said with this talking about murder it does seem like he really wants to be there wants to prove something so as a deadline they pick up I think as Liverpool fan you should probably look at why we weren't in for him I think United are always going to be United in that um, there's still players when they pick up and they say look I'm so glad to be representing your Knicks and it's like look how shit they've been but they're still the Knicks and yeah, yeah. United it's like United could be in eighth place and it's still like that. We were signing players and they were saying, oh, I'm so glad to be playing for Arsenal. Absolutely the same with Liverpool, isn't yeah. it? When, for, when I was growing up, it wasn't, you'd still be sometimes linked with a player. You think, well, we've got no right to be linked with that player. And, and sometimes it would come off. And like you said, But we've also seen it's flexible. So I'm sure Cody Gappo really wanted to go to Man United. And then Liverpool came in for him and said, well, I could quite like to go there as well. It's not, and you can have a similar situation with Sabitzer. I think with, you, with our issues, I think it would have been a sign that would make a lot of sense. I know he'd been linked with United for a long time. Though, what so do you make of Gallo doing interviews? Uh, not anything too egregious, but no. also maybe just don't say anything. He's a um, his kind of thing with United is a little bit like. Uh, you know, like a Love Island contestant who does keep talking about another girl to the girl he's paired up with. Like, I don't think you need to do this. And he's kind of like, yeah, you know, I would have liked to go to Man United, but I don't think I have to. It's like, yeah, nothing maybe you don't say. have to bring it up. There's nothing you can say in that situation that Liverpool fans are going to like. Van Nistelrooy did do him a bit dirty as well, though. Yeah. Because he obviously does the interview where he's going, he's been with United, he wanted to go to United, he's a United fan. I told him to go there, but he desperately wanted to go in January. Kind of when you get asked by that Gakpo, what can you do? You kind it's of like, it's a hot potato. It seems that these United legends, like I don't know if it's because there's so many of them. I don't know if they just feel the need to for constantly uh, like reassurance. But they had it with Van der Sar when they'd signed Martinez, and we know Arsenal had, had bid for him. And Van der Sar's coming out like going, you know, I was only ever going to let him go to one place, and so <laughs> he only ever really wanted to go to one place. As soon as United were in, we didn't even answer Arsenal's offers. And with Van Estra, I think it's... I'm sure with how many United fans there are in the world, he's had some messages going, how did you let him join? Yeah, yeah. And he's going, well... Yeah, to him, that's just a little interview. It doesn't mean anything, does it? Because he can just go, well, I went in because of Man United because you don't want to lose his player. And then if he does, he probably wants it to yeah. his former club. So it's an easy one for him to say. It's just, the position it leaves the player in is a bit is a bit more tricky. Um, Willian keeps on balling. Resurgent. I I didn't see this coming. If you offered Graham Potter rest of the season, you can have William or you can have Mudrick. <laughs> Just the rest of the season. Potter would back himself to do something with William, wouldn't he? He'd look at what he did at Brighton and go, yeah. I thought you were going to say if you offered Potter, do you want to take the Fulham job? <laughs> do you think this might be a bit more your bag? Do you think with, with William as well, um, obviously we look back now, that Arsenal move was destined to fail. 
even um, from when you did it, it the first interview with him saying, Arteta signed me and I've been given a three-year deal because the first year is top four, the second year is Champions League, the third year we win the Champions League together. Seems an odd thing to say. <laughs> um, and then just the way the, the place the club was in at the time, the, the baggage that you're already carrying. His wages, which we all knew. But even it does just look like a different player. He looks like he's got a point to prove, which he never did at Arsenal. It looked like it was a retirement fund, didn't it? Yeah. And then when you when you do that, and then he did go back to Brazil, didn't he? Yeah. Yes. And then they so, terminated his contract over there. Yeah, so you thought, well, this is a guy who's, um, you know, who's dialed it in. I think I, when Fulham signed him, I think I tweeted that signed him and Dan James just to bring in expectations back down a bit because people were uh, fancying Fulham. But he's been fine for that. But that's also, I think it's lower expectations at Fulham than at Arsenal or at Chelsea. But and even so you are going to look good, but to stop they're us, also really good yeah. for this year, so it's a little bit dismissive of them. To but. stop us talking about um, Mitrovic and Paulinia so much, he yeah. has to be doing something. I mean, they brought in Cedric now. Yeah. Um, but that stop and go he does is cash money. It's And you shouldn't, what, what 30, whatever he is now, yeah, yeah. The speed I'm, at which he's doing that, and then I mean, the finish is just a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you, because I obviously I, I was watching the highlights and I knew he'd scored, so I was like, he's not putting, he's not putting <laughs> that in on his left foot. And it, yeah, unbelievable. My favorite thing is when um, you know someone's scored an unreal goal, and you're watching the the, the replay, and it's like, is he gonna hit there <laughs> yeah. or there or there? And you're just waiting for it to happen. But yeah, it looks ridiculous and. You have to. Cr- I remember seeing a clip from. I referenced the podcast on here several times. That uh, Wonder Kid FC with the guy who like overpronunciates all the Portuguese names. Yeah. And there's one on there, and he was doing the preseason predictions, and he was like, Fulham seventh place, and he's getting seventh place, <laughs> seventh place, and he's going. I think you've got Palinha and you've got Mitrovic and you've got this. I mean, fair play. Yeah, yeah. Looks looks like a great show. Um, We've we've done on here before. Everyone claimed Fulham as a second or third team for at least a period of time. Just the way watching them, some of the players they had coming through. Very cool to see them like this, and I mean this with no disrespect. Maybe not if you're not if you're not competing with them, not so nice. But I don't, I don't really even begrudge them. I think you kind of your resentment. Our own situation supersedes any. Uh... But then I looked at Brentford like that until we were playing them, and it was like you. But I've shifted pretty quickly. All of the feeling I had for Graham Potter, I've just shifted to Thomas Frank. Who everyone's investing in the Thomas Frank stock. I, ha- I said to I said to Sean um, about him as a potential uh, Spurs manager, and he turned his nose up at it. And um, I said about Harper when he when he was like, I'll take anyone over Graham Potter. <laughs> anyone. I was like, so what, Thomas Frank? And he was like, well, it just feels a bit the same. Like he couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't, do, a, couldn't do a big job. Yeah, essentially when he says anyone, he means any of the sort of elite name yeah. sort of managers. Zidane. Yeah, Zidane, no, Simeone. Tom, Thomas Frank, not to go into the Arsenal game again, he, he feels like someone where I actually learn something when I listen to yeah, his, his interviews. Yeah, his interviews are great, aren't they? Um, yeah. The one where it was him and Graham Potter, but when he must have been at Brighton, and they were asking each other questions was, and they were explaining like the tactical shifts and things. 
Yeah, because people were tweeting at the time going, they should make this a regular thing. I was like, you're really going to have to depend on what managers you get here because you're going to get some shockers. Conte and Arteta. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. On his own, um, yeah, they'd be really sort of deflective and and wouldn't give you anything, would they? But even when you get someone like um, Deitch on his own, he actually speaks really well and belies the reputation that he's got. But if you put him opposite another manager, he'd probably play up to the... So, wow, it's not overcomplicated, is it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Big man up front. Thomas Frank was asked about the offside goal and he was like, I can absolutely see why they don't, why they think the goal should be ruled out and I can absolutely see why it could be. But I also hope... (laughs) The two offsides in there. I hope, I don't think, so he hadn't seen it back. So he probably hasn't seen the second one at the time because no one was talking about it. We just assume that's been checked. Yeah. Um, So when he's saying that the blocker, he's like, I hope they can see from our side why we feel that that maybe hasn't impacted the final outcome. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's there's some places um, that you can read and some people who have an understanding of football that well, probably never have. And the breakdowns of what Thomas Frank does in games, where they say that some of his teams he's drilled and they can change formation like five times within a game and do it to a degree that... Read the Athletic article. Nathan Jones tried that. Well, he, did, he didn't <laughs> Just- do it well enough. Thomas Frank clearly... Um, we aren't just enjoying them as being like minnows anymore and being a bus stop in Hounslow and all this stuff. Like no. the way they set up against teams is just, and they don't abandon their principles either. It's not no. that they chuck everything out the window when they play Man City. They're beating Arsenal, Liverpool, Man City in the same way that they play Brighton. And and he gets forgotten that people. We're starting to wonder if one had been figured out, or two this year they're going to have that second season syndrome because it was kind of like the back end of last year weren't quite at their best. Ericsson's quality carried them through. Obviously, they don't have Ericsson now. Will this work out? And he's obviously revitalised them again. So he'll be he'll be one that clubs do look at as their next guy for sure. Their home kit is a thing of beauty as well. Uh, Umbro making a comeback. Deserve it, they Red say. Why you can't? You got to be. You can't go too far wrong. If you butcher that, it's on you. I'm afraid. Under Armour have done their best with some of the uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Deserve I know has a release clause, and I remember seeing an article recently of someone saying, "Look, he's got a bargain of a release clause," and I just never heard that before of a manager. It's like I think it's like eight million or something like that. Someone's- it's going to become more of a thing. You would thought. I was always amazed it hasn't. In terms of. There was a rare good point that I remember Roy Keane making and he was like, we won't bat an eyelid at someone saying, well, just pay the extra 8 million for this player. And then it comes to a manager and United are haggling over it. And it's like, well, if that's the guy you want, then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're giving like 30 million pounds. Like, well, he's supposed to be the most important guy at the club. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're going to spend three times that on a player now. Um, last thing I had here, obviously, as I say, Liverpool are playing later tonight. City and I mean we're not going to break down all of the charges against them because I mean we've got other sports to get into but we'll do an entire podcast where we let every 100 <laughs> charge I think the most alarming thing about all of this is that none of us were shocked yeah 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 it's- and all of us to differing degrees of detail are able to point out exactly what they're doing as well and we actually don't know the the full depth of it but we know about the dodgy sponsorships and they tried to call up one of these sponsors and it's basically just an office with a phone in it and it's like yeah and 
all of this and just the way it was approached by Sky yesterday and I don't know how much they can do I know they just kind of have to chuck a ledge at the front of it but I don't know the way it was skirted around um, usually it's like if there's been like a horrifying leg break or there's been I mean they refer to it like it was the beach ball in the Liverpool like, the, the beach there's ball no there's no skirting around that I tell you that yeah, they were, they there, were, there's no skirting they are saying you know and the situation at Man City like it just happened to them <laughs> yeah but, but that was the thing that I understand that's the way they have to do it I, I could not believe the collective we've been hard done by here they, uh, they've mastered they've mastered that and even in a discussion where you talk about the level of money they've got they have an incredible ability to make you feel bad for pointing out well the money's played a pretty significant part in success hasn't it and it's got, oh, blah, 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 the coaching etc etc it's like yeah 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 that stuff's good but the money is pretty important didn't, and they have incredible ability yeah to flip the script on you didn't Pep say it's us against the establishment and it's like you're a state owned club with more money I mean you've got more money than anyone you just don't spend it in the way that Chelsea are making you look a lot better because you, we'd be looking at you very differently if Chelsea and United weren't about and then, I mean, banners being unveiled for a lawyer. For, for a lawyer um, Panic on the streets of London is a nice bit of work, yeah. though, I will say. Pep, like saying, you know, everyone's everyone's against this. It's just we have to rally from within now. And, you know, I won't be abandoning this club. You will not see me leave this seat ever. And it's like, what the hell is, is going on? And I was seeing Arsenal fans and... I mean, some thought that next week there were going to be a big points deduction and <laughs> yeah, you know, all of this, that. but I know I, I don't want them to have a points deduction because I want to beat them fair and square. The issue is we're not playing them fair and square. That is literally the entire point. And I, I understand why for just a little moment of, I guess, fairness or however you want to do it, why Liverpool fans would say, they need to be stripped of their titles. And United, because it's it would be two for United, two for Liverpool, wouldn't it? And it doesn't matter that there'd be two for United, doesn't it? When we kind yeah. of characterise this phase as like a, a horrendous period for them. Well, it's because it's not actually... So, like, isn't it that last year's... I mean, they carry on, but it's effectively starts from... It's Manchin, from the Aguero. It? It's yeah. from the Aguero. So, 11-12... Yeah, and then, I, I, and then I don't even know where, how far they go up So they've to. obviously got a couple there, obviously the Gerald Smith, yeah. <laughs> and others within there. And then that's not even taking into account the cups and the the, yeah. rele- the relegations yeah. for the teams you've taken six points off. and Yeah, well, that's where we get really dicey, wouldn't it? You'd go, well, how does this work with a team that's been or didn't qualify for Europe because yeah. you were in their space? Um, I mean, I guess they would all sue. I would assume and Pep saying they so. All sue them. Uh, I will not forget the other like sixteen teams. I think he says that are against this. Why the hell would they not be? Yeah, yeah. I it's mean, a. It's an incredible sort of. You're being accused of breaking a rule. I mean, it's not dissimilar from the Conor Ben situation. No, where you go. Well, as he's tried to say, I'm gonna act outwardly offended that you've <laughs> accused me of this thing, and it's gonna be your fault. And. By the way, I'm going to wrap this up with legal sort of red tape, money and time, and hopefully this goes away. And in which case, 
I can't. Nothing can be pinned on me, and it's going to be actually on you. Because you were you were the bad guy for having it out with me. Him saying we'll prove our innocence, like we did with UEFA. They didn't prove their innocence with UEFA. They got through a load of legal loopholes that basically said you took too long to bring these charges to us, and there was a finite time in which they had, they had to yeah. five years. So whereas the Premier League hasn't, and they've been doing this investigation the entire yeah. time. I mean, it's a horrible look for the Premier League as as much as anything because even if you're investigation isn't finished and if we're going to wrap this up nicely again um, the whole thing with Spotlight as we did on Movie Madness last week oh, is heavens. you need to go over at the whole system of this not just the moment in isolation because that's how that's how you beat things then you say it was a one-off hmm. and we do this so I understand it takes time but at the same time you're allowing them to continue to get away with this yeah yeah I- I guess the flip side is you've got to say, at least now they have, and they've gone public with yeah. it, showing some teeth that you probably would question, would the Premier League ever do this? Because I mean, it's, it's something that you said, we've all been aware of, and none of us are financial experts. We're all going, well, they're not more commercially valuable than Real Madrid, no, are they? No. Etc. And When you see City fan, you didn't watch, but on the overlap, the City fan on there was so whiny. I mean, if you didn't like Pep's one, you'll, you'll, you'll want to murder this guy. But he's just kind of going, when he's, Carragher says, well, you're not more valuable than Real Madrid or Man United. So, so we got to understand, we've had a good run in the Champions League. We talk about Real Madrid. They've had some pretty good runs in the Champions League. You might have missed it. Um, I, I saw one of the- They're more obviously valuable just that anyway, if they did nothing. I saw one of the quotes written out and that I do see what he says and it's effectively like two fingers up that, I mean, you can take it away, but you ain't going to take away my experience of that Aguero moment and you're not going to take away my experience within the Champions League. But that is... That's exactly why the they shouldn't be so having so much like pearl clutching at the idea of a punishment. You can still have those memories. It still happened. But by the way, it probably shouldn't have done, but you've still got it as a fan. It's not your fault and you've still got those memories. It's fine. It's not it's not even the players' fault who played because they just no. signed, so it's not their fault. They still got the memories. Well, because so it's not you're not taking anything away from them. It's just the club has to have some form of punishment. The position if they did it. The position they <laughs> seem to be taking is that the league is set up in a way that doesn't allow for another big team to be established. Mm. And so they had to find these grubby ways to get around it. Um, Which, by the way, not a fantastic way to say you're innocent. No. These rules are designed to keep us out, so we had to break them. But we didn't break any rules. (laughs) Isn't the Um, most... If you were in court, I don't think it's the way I'd go about it. And effectively, what you would say is... Chelsea are established, but Chelsea now, we're getting onto them because they've effectively realised we can't do what we want to do without breaking rules. And what we're going to do is we're going to break the rules and take the punishment for the greater good, that we're going to be able to be in a better position down the line. And so you're effectively saying that I want to rob this bank and I can get some of this money out. I can probably get some of it to safety, but I'll need to take the 10 years while I'm inevitably caught but it'll be worth it in the long run. Hell or high water, I can pay for my own <laughs> house and yeah. if my brother goes down in the meantime, <laughs> so be it. This with City is just so grubby. One, in the sense that there's other ways you could have done this anyway and I think we'll be horrified when we know the finer details of it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm probably even stuff that won't come into the investigation. Yeah. It's going to be so much. But in terms of punishment, I can say, I'll have to say this, I don't think it's really deterrent to take things off unless it's part of the punishment. Um, and I'm not well, even... People are choosing either or, which yeah. it shouldn't be. It should be probably all of the above rather than one of these things. Because I also think that... So 
docking points from Juventus this season. They're shit anyway. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah. yeah. And so for, for City this season, I'm sure it would be a punishment. But if that's the worst thing, they'll probably say, Chelsea is shit, United is shit. I don't know if the same clubs are hated internally. I think for a lot of City fans, it would almost maybe be we'd rather they win it this year and we don't let Liverpool or we don't let United win it next year if that's kind of how these things are. If they were choosing, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they would. Um, but it needs to be so much more. We're talking relegations on on yeah. the table here. We're talking all these things and it's not going to affect Pep. It's not going to affect the players. We saw when Juventus got relegated, most players are just going to bounce and go and play somewhere else. And yeah. manager Pep, Pep's going to say, you know, I didn't know this up in life. I feel just as betrayed as you do. Well, he said, didn't he? So I took their word that they would tell the truth to me. And if yeah. I find out they've been lying, I'll leave the next day. And then, well, the same day I was curious by. Yeah. He said, I'll leave the next day. I'll leave <laughs> one night. So when I'll sleep the on it. charges are then levied for you to still go, well, I'm offended that this is happening. Because there's the clip that's just done the rounds again of him being asked on the day they secured the treble. You know, Mancini was paid off. And he's like, oh, you bring this to me. Oh. <laughs> on the day of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> yeah, the, the Mancini one again, so dice, isn't it? The, the, when they paid him that much, like four days' work or whatever. Uh, as and like it was already the, the story of how they got him in was mental enough already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, their, their situation is, is kind of crazy. And I do think. The only way in which they have some level of a point is that if the rules became restrictive enough that it is a cartel, you can't become one of these top clubs. But the whole point is that you're supposed to grow this organically. You're growing a fan base. It's not supposed to be overnight. Um, And that's why they were brought in. They're often bringing up uh, the examples that basically when Chelsea got taken over by Roman initially and obviously had that crazy spending spree that I think actually leveled up now with inflation right thing. Their spending now doesn't equate to what they were doing under Rome. It shows how crazy it yeah. was. But as City's fans said, well, it was all right for them then. Why isn't it all right for us now? So, but a rule was brought in that you knew, i.e. financial fair play, and you knowingly broke the rules. So it's not the same thing. Chelsea didn't have that. It, it felt grubby what Chelsea were doing, yeah. but there wasn't a rule in place. It got brought in because of people like Abramovich, because of state-owned clubs like your own, that they were going to artificially inflate markets, make them... And it's a big reason why wages are out of control and prices are out of control is because people are having to do it to keep up with or to try and be more attractive than state-owned clubs. And that's why football's finances are all over the place. It's because of that. We're seeing Newcastle... So you can't go... Well, it's kind of... Once upon a time, people had to die for people to realise, you know what? We probably shouldn't drink and drive. <laughs> yeah. And then we brought in the law that says you can't drink and drive. You, if you've got pulled over drink driving now, you can go, well, it's all right in the 20s. What's the problem? It doesn't work like um, that. We're seeing Newcastle now. If, if you do do it the right way, Newcastle aren't going to win the league this season, but no. you can make the improvements and Newcastle still aren't even spending more than... Also, you know, not to be that guy, obviously Leicester win the league. If you say that was a bit of an anomaly, but then you go Brighton and Brentford and Fulham, they're outperforming Chelsea and Liverpool this year. And so it's not... Of course, they're probably not going to win the league. So... I think the rules can be, I think in principle are right. I think they can be changed a little bit to where to avoid it becoming a cartel. But the principles of them are right. And you knew it, you signed up to the rules. Yeah. And so, because I was curious about this on Neville's court in such a difficult spot on the overlap because he was kind of going in on City, what they allegedly may have done, but also knew 
I'm the owner of Salford and basically we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. We have to outspend everybody in a low league to be able to. And he was basically saying, because that's the only way you'll get a club like Salford up for the leagues. And that's fair enough. But I do also think it's one thing having like a dream, want your club to do well. It's a fair amount of entitlement that your club should be allowed to be the one. Well, we should be able to spend more than everyone else. And because, well, why can't we celebrate? Like, well, every other fan in the league feels the same way. And so if we <laughs> all did it, it would just be. And again, I, I kind of want to avoid it just becoming that. Money's always going to have a factor, but if it's just the sole factor, it's a bit soulless, isn't it? It's well, a bit grim. It's whoever's got the richest owner will just be a, a grubby league, really. Because the clubs that have the money will disagree, but it's also in the sense supposed to be that someone can't come in, run the club into the ground, or for one league title, yeah, and just and spend fuck off. everything and just do it Which, that way. There's been more ownership models that have gone that way than the way of City as well, haven't there? You know, especially I remember when the Venkies came to Blackburn, yeah. it was just really good, and they've taken them nowhere but down. And you are right to point out with City that within the club and within the fan base the victim complex is crazy for a club that like I said this has all been going on and we've all knowingly turned a blind eye largely and in some regards actively supported it because City are the least worst option for everybody for everybody we're going as long as they're there I don't have to watch Liverpool win the league. I don't have to watch Man United win the league. I don't have to watch Arsenal potentially this year win the league. Yeah. And you know what? They're financially doping and cheating, all of us, and I would still rather see them win the league than this team that I hate. So, And yet they've got this weird thing that everyone everyone hates us. It's, like, it's the opposite. You get away with murder because nobody cares about you. Nobody hates you. I, Everybody hates your rivals. I'd like to retrospectively withdraw my feelings on that. Yeah. Well, you can't, unfortunately. <laughs> to, I certainly remember the last day of last season. <laughs> I certainly remember that. To, to to be fair, and I say this to some Liverpool fans and they don't believe me, the first two runs, I actually was in the Liverpool camp. <laughs> it, it was only when, I mean, some of the Liverpool fans that we've had on here turned me a certain way. <laughs> We've got a talent for doing that. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, I couldn't believe some of the reaction. Pep kind of expected it. So the stuff with the fans yesterday and just the way it was presented, even just on commentary with them saying, you know, you do have to question if if maybe Arsenal should be worried because this actually might rally everyone around Well, that's them. what Pep's using it for. Yeah. That's clear, I think. Just, I think that's clear. Just, I could not wrap my head around it and then I'm trying to think if this was United can you imagine the reaction from like everyone yeah people would be saying more than relegation I think they'd be saying like thrown out of football league full stop I think for United and that would be ridiculous but people would go in because people do actually dislike United if it came to one of these other clubs of course there'd be I think we're going to find ourselves in a tricky spot with the league because ultimately I, I let's believe they're going to bring an independent panel in to basically make the rulings to whether they're guilty or not. And then it would be down to the Premier League and the Football League to decide the punishment. Mm. Now, if you're the Premier League, then chucking someone out and showing that it was that egregious or the crime they've committed is a horrible look for the league in general that you're trying to push as the most valuable league in the world. And maybe you think that it paints the league in a dark light doing it that way I actually there's no way they can win with this yeah I think you're better off you have to punish them and show, be shown to have teeth because because Syria has rebounded 
and then they've done it again. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that yeah, and again, and they look ridiculous. It kind of we're looking at Italian football like it's all just corrupt now. So you don't want to leave City just lingering because people are going to start saying that about the Prem. So I think, and I also think I, I think I saw um, Simon Jordan saying about this, which was this stuff he's good he's good value for, and he said it's probably no coincidence that the Premier League are taking the stance now at a time when people are talking about independent regulation coming in full stop. And they don't want that. So we're going to have to come down hard on you to show that we can regulate ourselves. We don't need someone else coming in. Now, an independent regulator, like you said, will investigate this because it's City at their insistence will do yeah. it because they'll say there's an agenda against them. So that's fine. But they'll want, the Premier League will want to be able to have their own ruling. And in that case, I think they're going to have to come down hard on them because otherwise they're just going to look so weak. Because at Chelsea, and we saw this with Jack in particular, there was an initial oh, we've been so hard done by. And then you gave it a week and then it was a, okay, yeah, fair. We knew this was going on. Uh, we enjoyed the times we had. You could do nothing about it. We're yeah. going to do it again, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And it was kind of a two fingers up to you rather than a, not stop being so mean to us. Chelsea have always horrible. embraced it more as sort of the, uh, the role of the bad guy. City yeah. have always had a problem with this idea that they're the bad, they've never embraced it. Um, and largely, they've been absolved of it because, like I said, the, whoever they're up against tends to be the one that's hated. Well, it's like the, the Grizzlies have tried to position themselves like that, haven't they? And then people have gone, yeah, actually, we don't like you. And they've gone, why does everyone hate us so much? Mm. And it's like, why well, you, you called yourself the bad guys of the league? This is, this is why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So And so you ha- this game starts yesterday and City started as well as they started a game, at least on television, for quite some time. Um, because they turned it on against Spurs in the second half, but they didn't start the game like that. And you got Neville on comms going, you know, this might be the best thing that could have happened to them. Arsenal are going to be worried they're sat at home now and they're having to question, am I glad they're getting this out of their system now or am I worried that they're going to get even better and all these crazy, crazy stuff. Um, he's too far gone now though. He's yeah. kind of got to, he's got to go down the... Uh... And they were, they were, they were back for 45 minutes. I don't think anyone, maybe no one more than yourself, was expecting Villa to put up too much of a fight. And as soon as they get the goal from the near post of a corner to kick things off, you kind of knew where this game was going. Haaland doesn't score, but gets an assist. Um, He's brought off at halftime. Didn't look to me like one where I'd be surprised if he's playing Wednesday. It looked to me more of a taking a bang with 3-0 up. Why would I risk it? And it probably has the extra effect of keeping you guessing because yeah. now you are in a spot where you, you, you know you will change your team a little bit in terms of harder starting or not. It'll change your approach at the back. So And kind of keeping the animal hungry in that he, now he's like, yeah, <laughs> get him baying for blood. That Grealish penalty <laughs> is, and um, I feel like I have to justify it each time that, like, no matter which team it is, and since we've started this podcast, I've been consistent in hating these penalties. I don't know what the officials can do to stop them. Yeah, that's that's the problem. But it's so by bad because def- by definition, even even in you see sometimes Vardy used to trail his leg. But then he would he would get smashed in that leg. But that's it. I, go down. I, that's it. I think if you are willing to do it and take some actual contact, I think you go well. 
it might not. It might look a bit grubby, but that's you're playing the game. But this was barely any contact. At first, I thought there was actually no contact. Yeah, and then I saw it back, and there obviously is a little bit. But I, I hate any slow mo where the person is turning to the ref as they're going down. Yeah, yeah. Grealish, it feels particularly grubby because it feels like he's constantly trying to fight the accusation that he goes down easy yeah. while doing it more and more. And then just referees falling for it because we see so many times where a player does take a knock and we say each time, this is why players go down. But then your player goes down and does it and they say, well, look, he exaggerated the contact there. And it's like, well, what can we do here then? Because there's more contact if I'm going to make it about Arsenal, which I just pension. Why not? Saka gets hit harder than that in the box every single week. There's one at the end of this game, by the way. I forget if it was a fullback. Uh, it might have been Jan Elts. I'm not sure. Actually, I think it was Ben Mee on this occasion. Absolutely smashes Saka. He jumps up to try and control the ball and he gets a big knee right in uh, right in the back of his calf and under his ass, basically, where he's getting a dead leg. And nothing gets given. Nothing. Not a free kick. It's going out and it's an Arsenal throw-in. The contact that he gets in the box here, you see when on the replay... Jacob Murphy literally says, come on. Yeah, yeah. And so when players are doing that, they're almost accepting. Look, I'm not denying that there was contact made here. But have a bit of shame. Well, look, I mean, I apologise for the frequentnesses in the pod, many of which we obviously have. I've said this a lot, but I think there has to be something brought in is an actual rule where we say there has to be a higher threshold in the box. Because the amount of things we go in where we go, well, that just isn't a penalty. Like, a penalty doesn't fit the crime here. So you're going to have to go, right, to get a penalty, there's going to have to be much clearer contact than... Because if that happened in the middle of the pitch, we probably we wouldn't really think about it. We'd go, okay, it's a little foul, nothing too much. And we'd give the free kick. So you can't... So then we apply the, well, if it was outside the box, you'd give it. I think we have to make a movement to go, well, okay, it has to be something more significant in the box then. I, I don't know how they do it now I mean a long time since I passed mine and it didn't really get me very far on your theory test there was the second part of the test you had to do where you basically are watching a drive and you had it has to, a perception yeah you had to click the mouse when an issue yep. popped up if you were just shown a load of things this weekend with clean tackles fair tackles and you had to click through and you got to the one with the Suchek <laughs> handball you'd be smashing the mouse yep. and then you got to this one I think it would probably be 40 60 in split mm. in terms of who clicks as a penalty on this one and then for one of them to be given a penalty and one of them not if you asked at the end and you saw that you didn't pass because you didn't give that one as a penalty <laughs> yeah. you know what the hell's gone on here and the c one is when a cyclist is coming out of the road you know <laughs> yeah. quick, 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 quick. there's just too many like that and it's just so irritating that the players because Zaha doesn't get that penalty it's weird, isn't it? Zaha is judged against his reputation, whereas Grealish, it seems to be, yes, he goes down, but come on, he's, he's Grealish, he, he's got touched in the box. Whether there was enough contacts or not, he's been taken out in the box. And we're at that stage like we had when VAR first came in, where someone would go down, they would check it to see if it's a penalty, and they'd go, well, there is contact there. And it's like, well, that that isn't the answer. That doesn't yeah. mean it's a penalty. Yeah. And on these occasions, it seems to be. It's, that didn't decide the game, but that will decide games. And they obviously pull them back to make it 3-1. And City 
fairly uncharacteristically for them and why I'm still not, you know, people seem to treat this like it was a bounce back game. I'm still not entirely sure. It's in that they were hanging on a little bit in, in the end. There's one in the sort of 85th, there was obviously Coutinho as a, a worldie strike, as some is a good save on. But there's one where she has a nice bit of feet, plays the fullback in around the outside, he plays a ball across. And it's only really by good fortune that doesn't land at someone like, I was about to say Ollie Watkins for you, you might miss. But the, if uh, they made that free two, I think you might think Villa are going to nick something here. Where it's not just that they could have done that, it's that you could see the Villa believe they could. Where normally, 3 1 against City, the other team quits. You see them basically go, we're not getting anything here, onto the next and one. And that's why they don't score more, like they did to United, as sure, say. Exactly. Whereas even, I'd say even Liverpool, most of the time, even in their proper team's fancies, you know what, I might be able to it. There's always a half a chance. So that's, yeah, as much as people kind of wanted to treat this as like, right, City, you're going to go on a mad run now? I don't. No. I didn't watch that game and think much different to how I think the game against Arsenal go. They they let that John Duran get his eye in just ready for us, which I didn't like. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the first game they've lost under Unai? In the league? Because they lost in the FA Cup. I think it might be the first... Is it their first loss? I thought they'd had one, but it might be... Might think Either way, they've, they're have they a tough team to be into there. He certainly made them tougher, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because first half, I was I didn't go into that game expecting anything at all the Spurs the Spurs one I didn't really expect it but I did have the thought of they just have this weird thing Spurs, with Spurs. are a nightmare for them yeah. um, Villa I was like I, I was debating whether to even watch it it was like I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure how this is going to go um, yeah second half when I was seeing it and I understand they they felt they'd got the job done I text my uncle and this may age horribly I said we, we've got something for these like I yeah, don't look at these great. in the second half and I said to you yesterday, I do, in the back of my mind, anytime I do get the uh, degree of confidence, I say, okay, but when I look back at these league deciders they've had in the last four or five years, have they lost any of them to you? They've drawn them and they've won them. Yeah. yeah. Because the, the times they've lost them and start of this season when without we wouldn't put that in the same bracket. No. And no. then I think you beat them the year that you win the league. But it's not but a race it, for no. is it? Smashing. This this one, now that I say we've made it something they haven't, it was between us, the fact that they can go top Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um Gary Neville told us that the game in hand doesn't count in that instance. So <laughs> there's that to take into account. Um <laughs> but that gives them a little something that I don't imagine they'll be setting up with three centre-backs and no, no full-backs. No, no. I don't think... I think they're going to be as dialed in as they have been. But then at the same time, they've we've seen them go into, say, the game against Real Madrid in the Champions League and they've been dialed in. Yep. And they were in better form than they were here. So I, I don't know. There is a game soon where Haaland is just going to go on some mad run. He's probably going to be the first guy to score five Premier League goals in a game at some point. But... Did the foe do that? Maybe he did, yeah. So maybe he's going to score six. Yeah, going to say seven or eight. <laughs> and in previous years, not so much under Arteta, we've been in good form. And when we've gone down, we've gone down in flames, particularly yeah, against Man City. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen here, but the first goal is, is going to be huge because I do really believe, and I rarely speak with this confidence, Pat, is that 
we have the ability to make a massive statement on them. I agree. Because I think the the game last season where we if if we're going to go back and talk about match fixing and officials there was something in the air that day the penalty they didn't give on Odegaard the referee running across Martinelli's path he's going to tap the ball in <laughs> the stoppage time being added on Rodri not being sent off for battering Martinelli and then the goal they get late on um, the penalty they get for the Bernardo Silva one where Xhaka pulls his shirt back and he falls forward <laughs> I think we could blitz them I yeah. think I, I don't think you'll see Rico Lewis playing, but then even their fullbacks, I'd I'd rather someone running at Carl Walker than Ake so far this season, the way yeah. they've been setting up. Yeah, true. I think Martinelli's, if we're saying Haaland's owed a game, Martinelli's owed a game. And Saka is Saka. He's a big game player. Ake, and- Ake won't. Want to be playing left back against him? He's no, but then he did all right against, uh, I guess, in the FA Cup. But that was a very different game. Yeah, uh, it's it's big. I said to Harper when we thought we were going to be there. I didn't envisage the last two weeks going how they did. I said this could be one of the highest level games in Premier League history in yeah, yeah. terms of what I thought we were getting. Now it's a bit of something different. Maybe it, I think we're going into this game as underdogs if anything with most people's perceptions now in terms of how they're picking it um, it's, it's funny the same people that were crowning as champions elect last week say that we've thrown the league away in the last two games when yes. City drew with Everton and lost to Brentford and we've drawn with Brentford and lost to Everton so, long way to go um, I in in my wildest dreams, I didn't think we'd be in this position. But even from this position, there was never a point where I looked at the rest of the season and thought, this eight-point gap, we're just going to keep this and keep this and we're just going to keep winning and keep winning. If anything, the Emirates is still a very positive place. But outside of match day, there's a different energy among the fans now that we just know we've got something to lose. Yeah, and so yeah, if you exactly. go back, and this was way earlier... If you go back to probably after beating Spurs or even the Brentford one was a bit earlier or even I guess the the peak of it was probably the Bournemouth game where Saliba scores. We were just cruising on vibes. It was, we know we're not going to win the league this season, (laughs) but let's enjoy it. We'll enjoy this as it is. We're playing silky football, ripping teams apart. Now it's, you've got something there, but I haven't grown up like the the title race earliest title race I remember is 0708 and I imagine that's a lot of the people I follow are in a similar okay. phase of where it went horribly wrong. Mm. 0304 I was watching Arsenal but not like you are now. Oh yeah, I wasn't watching the way I'm now. I didn't have the access that I have now. Mm. And there was a a feeling that we were the best team in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now there's there's a bit of imposter syndrome maybe yeah, yeah, Nathan yeah, Jones, I don't know. So Wednesday could be huge in so many different ways. I just hope that there, there was a weird negativity after we dropped points Saturday. And I think the PGMOL apologising has helped that a little bit. Yeah, um, gave you something to focus on. But I think you could see some rough takes if we drop points on... Wednesday because I'm used to it so I mean you can go down the people we've had on this podcast 
getting messages from an Everton fan about us crumbling <laughs> is not is not something that's going to be ruining my weekend. It's but great stuff. It's got to be done. I think we. I mean, we could we could win this weekend and we could still win the league. I think we could lose this weekend and we can still win the league. Mm. It's the 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 season isn't going to be defined by this one game, but I certainly think we've got far more to lose than City have in that. It would. I do think it would depend on the performance. I think. I think if you beat them, I think that's the dagger. I think that's it. I. I not over, but I think because that shows. Right, we're not gonna just crumble because we've had two drop two games where we dropped points. We're not just gonna crumble, and we've just taken points off you. The whole thing here has been well, you still got to play City twice. Yeah. If you get a win on one of them with the lead you've already got, that's pretty good going. I think that would get you back on track, and I would back. I'll tell you, to get a reaction for this game in a performance anyway, whatever the result is going to be. Um, but yeah, if I was going from a sort of an angle of how I think the game will look, I would agree with you that I would be quite bullish actually. I, if this was at the Etihad, I might feel differently coming off the two games you've had. At home, I think the atmosphere would be great. And I could see, if not in the same sort of scoreline, but we obviously had a, a lot of games like this. But if you look at the... Actually, it was before Klopp, it was under Brendan. Do you remember that performance, Liverpool against Arsenal, where we just blitzed you from the start? Oh, I saw that. That opening 20 yeah, minutes yeah. where he was like, this could have been anything. Now, I don't necessarily think it will be five goals like we got, but I think you could have a situation where you get on top of them and pen them in like that the good news for Arsenal is if it goes the opposite way in terms of if you get a lead but they have to come on to you if they're anything like they were and you have to assume they'll be better if they're anything like they were in the Spurs game then you'll butcher them because and it will be a little bit more like a, earlier in Arsenal's progression when they're a bit more of a transition team you will be able to hit them Martinelli and Saka in those positions are going to be a lot less wasteful than Spurs were yeah. and yeah, it could get messy for City. You're going to be in a really... In- it's going to be interesting to see what Pep does, especially in a year where he's been overthinking a lot because he's going to have to get it exactly right for playing a usual game. But you can't... If you get caught on the counter like you have been at times this season against various teams, they're going to be in big trouble against Arsenal. I also think it could be the same, like they aren't going to miss the chances that Tony was. But for the first... The the, the last- only, that's the only thing that concerns me about those last two games for you is not that you drop points but in the first half both Everton and Brentford could have really stuck on you scoreline yeah. wise which it's the first time I've seen you concede in that number of chances and it was in two quite different ways Everton were pretty direct let's face it set pieces or whatever which by the way we're going to get butchered on tonight no Van Dijk or Canate <laughs> with yeah. their set pieces isn't going to be fun they don't have DCL isn't going to be fun for, regardless yeah. they're going to going to be three, three goals conceded from set pieces in a row for us mm. and it it just feeds into narratives about Arsenal from about 10 years ago then being soft. Well, there was the thing last season, wasn't there, where I was saying that we've not conceded all season and then in the last like five games, we conceded yeah. to Newcastle, we conceded to someone else, like a couple of set pieces. Um, Eddie, this game should suit him more. But yeah. He's had some struggles the last... But he, he's just not Gabriel Jesus. Mm-hmm. He he can do some elements that Jesus can do, but he, he isn't Jesus. Um, and so Connor in one of our chats in the week was like, you know, I hope Haaland's fit because I want to see both teams at full strength. And it's like, well, we're not. Gabriel Jesus is, is still out. Mm. Sounds like he might be coming back on Easter, by the way. Biblical, that. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited, but also terrified for it. But I'm more confident than I perhaps should be. And that usually doesn't go well. Um, 
No, that, that's how. Yeah, that's how I would probably view it. I do. I do think Arsenal could do a bit of a job on them if they're if they're on it. I'm still not convinced by City even with that latest win. No, it, there's a- it's nice to have this game and not be in it. So <laughs> Liverpool's Man City games for years have been that game, haven't they? That you've looked at, and this could be that need, that game. I need Saka to have um, like one of them Salah. The the one that I was waxing lyrical yeah. about on here from a halfway line. I need I need someone like that, <laughs> and he's playing the best football he's ever played. So, but by the way, so just sure. finishing on the potential punishments for City. Yeah, it has been amusing watching. We've all basically been like, yeah, throw the book at them, throw the book at them. It has been funny watching fans go. I don't think we should strip their titles though, should we? Now, why Why would fans not want those titles to be stripped? I've got to scratch my head. Why, why would that be? No. I actually, I think, uh, as well as I agree with the relegation points, deductions, whatever, I think they should be stripped to the titles, but I don't think they should be redistributed. That's what so I just mean. think you just have vacant... With you, they, they did, didn't they? They gave, them, they gave like three to Inter and... and, and people, yeah, I don't think they should be redistributed. Apart from the fact I wouldn't get anything from no. them. I wouldn't go, oh, well, great, we've got it. It's kind of like when you get a world title in the post in boxing. So, well, that's not really the same, is it? You win the vacant. No, and that's the only thing. So, I agree. I think the thing is, and I, I don't trust the league to do it correctly. I think I can see the league saying, well, it's enough punishment that the history won't remember them. But we've seen when, like... Uh, a fight, a wins a fight, fails a drugs test, and then we all know who still won the fight. And there's just a little asterisk underneath saying later failed a, a test, and it's like that. It's not the same thing. No, that isn't doing anything. Same. So, um, yeah, I, I yeah. just think people don't. Yeah, people don't want them stripped of titles for no for their club allegiances. I know, but if one of the things is this has brought the league into disrepute, I think the history book should reflect. Yeah, it's been brought into disrepute, and good. You're going to look at it and go, why was it like a void? Why was it a vacant? win that year and you go oh it's because financial doping or whatever yeah I think that should happen but I, I don't think the deterrent is stripping the title the deterrent is the relegation and the points deductions etc isn't it but yeah it's um, the only thing they can really do let's move on I I didn't envisage just spending this long but there has really been a lot to speak about in the other games um, the Super Bowl let's go on to uh, that second half Chiefs it's, uh, it's fair to say yeah as the first half came to a close in Arizona, um, I suspected that the minus 1.5 for the Eagles selection in my ACA, and if you ignore my comments on gambling earlier in the episode, um, <laughs> I thought that was the one part I didn't need to worry about. Bullish last week, minus 15, I said, get on the Eagles. <laughs> uh, mid-game, uh, after the first, nearly scored the first touchdown because they pulled it back, didn't they? And they had to go in a second time. Yep. I was scrambling. I was looking on 365, like, let me get on now quick before they get over the line. Lump. And I said in the room, they're only giving me minus 10 as the max <laughs> option. Um, unfortunately, I did make the mistake of overlooking the Chiefs. Maybe Travis Kelsey was right. Um, they were trailing 24-14 after a dismal first half by their own uh, high standards. Only really a rare mistake from Jalen Hurts kept them in the game. Hmm. Yeah. Mahomes came into the game with a high ankle sprain, appeared to aggravate it. I think he hustled us. Um, and that was on the final offensive play of the half. Andy Reid was being outcoached, fair to say. Um, out executed, I saw someone else say, which is probably a better way of putting it. Hmm. And, Philly looked like what people had said pre-game that they were just a more complete team 30 minutes later 
and the Chiefs are the champions for the second time in the Patrick Mahomes era. Mm. A near perfect second half on offense. They scored three touchdowns. They turned down the opportunity to add a fourth, which would have been hilarious if that had come out to haunt them. The Chiefs converted 93.8 of their first downs into another first down or a touchdown in the second half. Christ. And the only reason they didn't hit 100% is because McKinnon slid down on the one-yard line, as we say, to set up the Great awareness for him. Yeah. ESPN has data going back through the year 2000, and no team has ever done that in the second half of the Super Bowl before. You'd be sick if you were Philly, wouldn't you? Oh. And, and yet still... The guy we're coming out of the Super Bowl talking about is Jalen Hurts. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, rough. I think we saw a glimpse that he is one of those guys <laughs> moving forward, particularly in this system. Um, how much in detail, I probably can't explain it in the way that the analysts can, but they're saying that he effectively kind of defines the RPO option that's now taking yeah. over the league. Everything was working for the Eagles. Hurts the focal point of the rushing attack and the passing attack. 115 yards on 32 carries, 12 first downs, three touchdowns, all on Jalen Hurts' carries. It's not bad going at all, is it? Scrambled for 12 yards, 70 rushing yards on design calls. He ran Philly's favourite sneak play, six times for six first downs, two of them being touchdowns. And even when Hurts fumbled for a Chiefs touchdown, he made up for it and then went to gain 10 further unanswered points to end the first half. He was let down by, I mean, you could question some of the officiating, the catch that wasn't, we'll speak about the holding calls to end the game. Mm -hmm. It's just horrible. In terms of reflection, the Philly comeback is one of the best Super Bowls you'll ever talk about. In terms of the best game, this is probably the best Super Bowl yeah. I've seen in terms of quality and mm. drama and just... Everything. And they were a great match for each other as well, weren't they? The style-wise, it was a good clash of styles. They... The thing that Hurts is probably going to end up falling victim of is that sometimes it isn't the prettiest because obviously there's a fair bit of running, fair bit of brute force. But as he showed in this game and as he has throughout the season, which people just, as we touched, didn't really seem to give him credit for. So he has got an arm and he does make the throws and he doesn't, he doesn't kind of, he can have an expansive one, but he doesn't get carried away and then start flinging it around thinking he's, you know, someone he's not. He knows what he is. He can do it expansively and then he can be a lot more conservative and then he can run as well. He's kind of got a bit of everything in there. And just because he isn't as flashy, even someone like Josh Allen, but like, well, that doesn't get you results. This guy gets you results. And everyone is kind of now being compared to Mahomes, but that's a freakish talent that you can't, you can't go, well, he can make every throw, plus he can run, plus he's a good leader. You've got all the intangibles. It's like, well, there's got to be something to give and he's not quite as flashy as Mahomes, but in that system, he's, kind of equally effective and 
we've seen it with quarterbacks. If you play on a shit team, then you can get credit that you can be looking good on a shit team. And you can see it, I guess, yeah. even with someone like Trevor Lawrence, where you say, oh, we can see the potential coming through there and everything else gets excused. When you play in a team that isn't the best team in the league and isn't one of the kind of singled out like three or four shit teams, then you do just kind of go, eh. And that's what's been happening with Jalen Hurts in the... Yeah. It's not that people aren't paying attention to you, it's just they aren't interested when they do. And also people still, whatever they might say, don't like running quarterbacks. And I think almost falsely label him a running quarterback. He's kind of one of the very few who seems like almost 50-50. You know, like kind of you've got a running quarterback who can throw, someone like Lamar, or a a passing quarterback who can run. And he's Prime- been written off, by the way. People have just immediately gone, well, it was, it was yeah. a breath of fresh air, but now you're not going to succeed in the league doing that. And immediately, it's, yeah, they go, they like the running until they don't like it. And, or, you know, the other example is Prime Aaron Rodgers was a passing quarterback who could run. He could, when he only needed to, he could, he could yeah. make the run. Probably what Mahomes is really, he makes the runs when he has to. Um, Some of those runs yesterday were horrible. And, and certainly belied this devastating ankle injury supposedly had. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it made it for a better story, I'm sure. So, um, And look, he's being compared to Brady and Michael Jordan. And it was a very Brady and Michael Jordan game because he did the heroics and the things that were very, 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 very fortunate that had nothing to do with him will be forgotten. And with what you say before... And you'll look bitter if you bring him up. Whether it's the team you support, whether it's the team you're not, we want to see that. We we all want to be witnessing greatness, whether we are or not. And so we put that on people. Yeah, and pre-game, you almost want to have Mahomes at a handicap. So we've, we said pre-game, if someone goes ahead, I want it to be Philly because I, want, I know Mahomes can drag them back in and that'd be fun to see. We kind of had... an not wishing to make this about uh, we had it for a spell with Liverpool didn't we it's kind of like we want to see them go behind and see if Steven Gerrard can pull them through there was something to it you probably didn't but we probably did and uh, there's something to with Mahomes seeing if he can do that I just wish he hadn't had the Brady flag I wish he hadn't because like it's Brady's sourdied, example cause it looked, it for me. yeah because it looks bitter when you do it with Brady it's like he's good enough he doesn't need a stupid flag to go, well, this is going to win you the game. But do you need a hand? I'll give you a hand. Yeah. Like, he's good enough. Like, I think potentially Chiefs would have scored the field goal. Eagles might have gone up the other end and got one and draw a level. That's Chiefs, what I thought was going to happen. Chiefs could have beat them in overtime. I, I, I would just still bat them because they've got that mental fortitude and that quality. But instead, we get just the most deflating ending to, like you said, what should be the best Super Bowl we've seen. In that moment... I was midway through saying, "This is where we, this is where they usually get a fl-. yeah." And then, yeah. It was, then it came then in. Then the yellow like, comes up, <sighs> and I, I immediately went on on Twitter one just to vent my own frustration. And my whole timeline was, "How does he always have a flag? He can't keep getting away uh, with it." The thing with me and Sean's been on here, and he's been quite vocal in his anti-Chiefs, and maybe we've been to a benefit for us that we've not seen the Packers get to the point where he is a hindrance for us I mean feasibly if we had lost in the Super Bowl like the Niners did probably quite bitter probably <laughs> worse than Sean really so and, and so but I also think for a lot of people um, Brady was there and so yeah you, that, that's you, absolutely true you yeah. can do it and he is if anything he's the shining light that is preventing him getting 
the Super Bowl or he becomes the underdog when you're having to play against the establishment here. Yeah. And so now that, I mean, he's only just gone, but he wasn't, he's out of it for the last season. It was like, now you're the, you've just inherited this almost. And so now this is the first time where I've really been looking at them because even in the build up to this, when I think you were a bit more in the camp of, yeah, I don't really want to see them win. Sean definitely was. I was like, well, I don't really have anything against them. Mm-hmm. I'd just rather see the un- what I thought would be the underdog end up not. I had be. a taste of it wanting the Bengals to really beat them, and then when they beat them, I, I guess yeah. I probably had a, a small taste of why Sean's feeling. And so yesterday for me was the f- really the first time properly. I was like, oh, for God's sake, how is it? Yeah. How is this happening? Because I said I thought it'd be the same for Sean, just as we were getting into the sport. Um, you and Sean were into it before me. The Chiefs weren't that. No, no, and, exactly. Um, and me and Sean going to see them at Wembley and seeing all that. So I didn't really have a bad word to say about them. They were they weren't doing anything to to harm me. And I've never liked several of the other teams that the, people are. I never liked the Saints. And they're very like much this. the uh, Man City of it because Brady and the Patriots and Man United. These guys are going to come on potato team. They're also really exciting to watch. Which Brady was just kind of turgid and boring, but got the job done and formulaic. These are a great, really great fun to watch. And now they're kind of at the top. It's like, oh, we've got another one, haven't we? We've got another yeah. dynasty. Yeah. We've got, they're going to be here. And by the way, they're not only better than you, but they're going to get the calls as well. And they're going to have the Man City victim complex. Because Travis Gans goes, oh, not God. one of you picked me. Like, that was killing me. I would say, and, but it's like um, like Golden State did. And yes, I know part of it is you've got to create that siege mentality us against them. But also, it's the it's an arrogance that anyone can pick against you. Because I would say, pre-season, if you took a sort of thing, you would have such a variety because the NFL is, is like that. But I would imagine Chiefs would be the most repeatedly picked. So that's, you're the most popular pick. But because some people have gone, no, we don't think you. That's an insult. Like, well, hang on. That's not, it's just, yeah, and this is a close league and you've not been picked by everybody. That's not offensive. Even with the Warriors, I liked in um, that Clay in particular framed it against uh, his colleagues and uh, fellow competitors where he, he went in, didn't he, on, a, I think it may have been someone at the Grizzlies where he, they said strength in numbers when, Clay was mm. out, I and mean, then he was like, "I've been waiting. I've been waiting to say something about that." It's also the behaviour of a psychopath because that is a very innocuous thing. Clay's obviously honed in on it, and so yeah. things like that, I love. I love seeing <laughs> things like that. The, the Kelsey one yesterday, it was like, I see it sometimes when I see, um, not even City celebrate a goal. So I see someone celebrate knocking out a journeyman, and I hate it. And I'm always like. You knew that was going to happen. Yeah. Why are you yeah. celebrating this? And obviously, they've trained for so long. Not even so much a journeyman, but someone that they should beat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I always, I'm very resentful, particularly with someone I didn't like. So I don't want to see Fury when he's beating Otto Wallin and he's getting up on the ropes after. I'm like, just yeah. get out of my sight. And yeah. so this one, when it's someone that should win, and the Eagles were the favourites, but it also almost feels like you framing it as it's unbelievable that anyone dares go against yeah. you when most people weren't 
and to be this shocked that you were framing yourself as an underdog was the part I didn't I didn't like. It's painful, isn't it? It's painful, but uh... he didn't say it once because he was interviewed a second time. Yeah, and he repeated it again, and it's like you're making sure we know this. <laughs> yeah, but even the thing with uh, and look, it's fair enough because the the Vitzy gets the spoils. But the thing in the the Bengals game, he's like like burrow head my ass. Be like, well, that was the Bengals said it. And presumably, the Bengals thought they were going to beat you. Presumably, yeah. they didn't go in going, well, the Chiefs going to beat us. They seemed offended by the fact that the other team wanted to win. Um, Did you see the hard to get your head around. clip of um, Mahomes' dad? I don't know if you've seen the clip of Jackson Mahomes working his way into the background of a broadcast. Oh, God. Dancing, and he's oh. on selfie mode. And there's a clip of his dad in the background and he's just looking proper down his <laughs> nose at him like this fucking guy. <laughs> well, at least he's with the rest of us then. That's nice. But then he, uh, people keep saying, like, this is not the guy I expected to be Mahomes' dad. And it's just him walking through a press room going, we're smoking on that Philly pack tonight, boy. <laughs> <laughs> with a cigar in his mouth. He was doing it last week, as well, uh, the week before, sorry, as well. Mahomes needs to dial into that a bit more. Less of the uh, boy next door stuff. Yeah, the one of the other thing is reaction to the fly as well. By the way, I'm like, where everyone's like, well, yeah, we get over it because you know they should have made a stop. Then, by the way, they should have made a stop. But if the flag doesn't get thrown, Philly did make a stop. They were going to have to make them get the field goal. You can't just go, well, what difference does it make? All it was is these decisions go against you or something like that. It's like not quite the same as in the last two minutes of the game, where literally after this we can just run the clock down and the game's over. Yeah. The, it doesn't, it's not the same thing. ESPN ran a whole article and I like, took an excerpt from it. They said, uh, uh, the league should be embarrassed about an element of the game Sunday, but that would be the quality of the field, not the refereeing. Likewise, while the Eagles would have loved to have seen Bradbury get away with a holding call with the game on the line, they lost this game because they couldn't stop the run. They let Tony take a punt 65 yards to set up a touchdown. They handed the Chiefs a touchdown on a fumble recovery and they allowed the Chiefs to go 4-4 for four on the red zone. They also committed a penalty at exactly the wrong time, even if that penalty yielded an unsatisfying finish. But all of that can be true, whilst you can also go, I think the officials should be better. Because you can you can have like yeah all these criticisms of the Eagles, but I don't think you should give a flag at that stage of the game for that hold. It's the equivalent of us in football saying it's a contact sport. Like the the holding is as we said last night, you will see as much if not worse on just about every play. We're flagging everything. You go and look at. I think the player has come out and said yeah it was a holding though, which. I think don't confess to your no. own crime. You die with it, whatever no. you think there. Need some coaching from Chael on there. Yeah. I thought one of the things that did make it more exciting is um, that teams, as they are now driven more and more by analytics, are realising that they're being detrimental to themselves to kick it back to the opposition on fourth and short yep. rather than the position where they're far more likely to secure a first down. And... I don't want to pat myself on the back too much. I I did say on the fourth and two, they should have gone for it. And it was like, because you don't give these guys the ball back. I didn't think they were going to return it for 65 yards. When he makes that turn, you know, oh fuck, there's going to be no one over there covering him. You know, I thought he was going to run it in. Well, yeah, because even like on a computer game, if you're playing the game, once you've beaten that second man... Yeah. You're, and you're running you go ooh yeah. it, it just in your hand it feels like everything's just opening up and this when these people aren't AI controlled these are all people with a mind of their own 
being able to clear the field for this guy just tanking through. I'd almost rather you just run straight through at that point. Just put me out of my misery. Wonder if the Eagles, get it done with. If the Eagles look back and go, oh, she just let him. Just I thought a, a mistake, and it's not to say that they wouldn't have had the um, realization anyway. They made it a bit too obvious they didn't want them to score the touchdown as they were going for it. The fact they all just stopped, he was like, there's a thing on um, FIFA now, you play it online, and you're so used to, if you get to a certain part and you're running through on goal, you shift the joystick to one side, you hold R1 and you curl it in the corner. Mm. And these weird kids online that are probably like 13, 14, they control the keeper. And they'll move him to what in real life would be the worst part of the goal to position yourself in. But it freaks you out as you're going <laughs> as you're going through on goal. And you end up just kicking the ball at the keeper. And it happens more often than you would believe, just because you're so used These boys to are playing chess with you. You're so used to doing it one way. Yeah. And yeah. they do it on corners, you'll have your keeper so far out, which makes no sense, but in terms of the game it works. This, I imagine there was a moment where they was like, what the fuck's going on here? And then it was like, oh, they don't want us to score. Why is that? I'll worry about that after. I'm yeah. on the one yard line. And he just goes down and it's just, this is always something that can happen in NFL in that it being like two minutes left on the clock doesn't mean there's two minutes left of the game and that we're going to have a dramatic finish. They have an ability to do that. And I know it's supposed to be part of the kind of chess style of we go, you go, we go, you go. I, I don't know if there is something they can do about that to, because it's better for the brand of the league to have an exciting finish. It is horrible for someone that doesn't watch the sport to see it fizzle out like that. Yeah. But yeah, because bear in mind, obviously, there's going to be people who never watch, or maybe this is the first time watching, and the comments are basically telling them, well, this is it then. Yeah. And like, what? What do you mean? We've got a, I thought it was going to get down to the wire, but no, no, that's basically it. It's difficult because you would have to bend the rules to the point where you're basically starting to tell teams what they can do yeah. offensively because if they want to do that they can do it but I'm amazed that something is so concerned with its brand and how it's perceived that they haven't tried to implement something where you know at the end of the game you you aren't able to do this or you have to do something I, I don't really know how they're able to but I'm surprised they haven't tried to manipulate it yeah and then just finally before we close things off for the day we maybe talk about NBA next week yeah um we did have UFC 284 this weekend it was marketed as the battle for pound for pound supremacy Number one against number two, we've got um, Alexander Volkanovsky stepping up from featherweight to go for the lightweight title against um, Khabib's successor in Islam Makhachev. Really fun card, more than it perhaps looked on paper outside yeah. of the first couple. Um, if we work up, we'll gloss over some of these. Um, bad start. We weren't watching too closely because the boxing was on, but um, Subera Tahugov is supposedly robbed in the first fight of the night and it seemed to maybe work in favour of everyone else that they realised maybe I shouldn't let this go to the judges and everyone was just searching for a finish from there on up. Um, and another decision, then we go to Loma Lukbumi who turned around nearly being finished in the first round to choke out Elise Reed. Very impressive. Uh Jack Jenkins wins a decision over Don Shanis. Jamie Malarkey against Francisco Prado. Another okay fight. Um, 
only real jeopardy was when Malarkey chose to exchange, but mm. it kept us on our toes watching it. Yeah. Clayton Rodriguez came out like a bat out of hell and just murked Shannon Ross in 59 seconds. That was a great performance. Yeah. Tell you what, yeah. Um, Statement. Josh Koulibau, rear naked choke on Melzik Bagdasarian. Good performance. Medeskis Bukowskis Tyson Pedro was a bit of a lull. We know that Tyson Pedro is a likable character. People will him on. You get a lot of goodwill just for being mates with Izzy and Tuivasa and all of these friend of the podcast. But not a when good performance. You, you hear sometimes, and you'll see it with boxing, where someone's won all of their fights within the first two rounds, but they say, you know, I train for a 10-round fight and I can do 10 rounds. I wasn't aware that he'd never won a fight that's got out of the first round. Although I do know he has a real ability to clutch defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah. And this time around... so fucked. Yeah. You had some scrambles in the opening round, but he was against a guy who'd come in on a week's notice. And he was the guy that looked gassed. And yeah, yeah. Happy for Bukowskis. Um, like a prominent member of um, the European scene over here mm. cage warriors champion um he gets a second crack in the ufc he had a rough round rough go the first time around i think he lost to like vittori lost to khalil roundtree enemy of the pot <laughs> a various yeah, I could kill split decisions but yeah gets a second go around really good performance mm. from him to get it done then the main card i mean jimmy crute alonzo menafield if we'd been told at the time that's the fight of the night once it's finished, I don't think we'd have gone, oh, the rest of the car's going to be dull no, then because no, no. that was good enough in itself. Mm. Third round, maybe we could have done with a bit more exchanges, but that's usually the case. We didn't hold it against Chandler and Poirier. That's true. Yeah. Just because the first round was so they good. Was similar. Yeah. Two guys also seem to try and lose it, Kurt and Monofield, yeah. but it's kind of annoying, but also great to watch. Interesting game plan from Parker Porter to just approach Justin <laughs> Taffer with his chin in the air. <laughs> yeah, you look at Taffer, it's like, one thing you can punch. All right, I'll shove my chin up. Uh, Jack Della Maddalena gave him the big sell beforehand and he managed to live up to it. That was a performance, wasn't it? Yeah. Because Randy Brown, you could see the problems he was posing. It was so long, so tall. And yeah, just that power's not bad at all, is it? Got given the George Grove leg as well when he was going down. <laughs> the bent leg. Uh, Yaya Josh Emmett another crazy fun first round the body kicks of uh, Yaya and then any time Yaya got in close Emmett was I mean he's just that short stocky compact and he just swings from the hip and we've seen plenty of guys not take the punches that Yaya does which usually you see a flashy guy and they get kind of lumped in you know that clip from Never Back Down that people would sell as like a real clip for so long of the guy doing like front flips and spins and he just gets punched once <laughs> and he's out. Yeah, yeah. You kind of put those guys like Yair in that bracket of, yeah, they can do all this, but yeah. it's what gets levied against uh, Sugar Sean until he fought Pio yeah. Yan. It's the thing with Pettis, wasn't it? Pettis also then yeah. did fully kind of end up putting himself in that bracket, but is that sort of giving... Just crazy 
both guys, it's always good with the fans if you acknowledge that this doesn't make me the real champ in the build-up. You can be happy with your belt, but Emmett yeah. was like, this is about to show I'm the number one contender. And Yair said, look, it's a real blessing for my family. I'm a Mexican champion, but I need to face Volkanovski. And even gained more goodwill when he was asked to call him out, basically, and said, he's about to fight. I'm not going to do anything to put anything in his head. That was one of those as well that seemed genuinely respectful. Yeah. You know, when sometimes people are like, oh, he's so respectful. Like, I think he's just saying what he thinks yeah. he's supposed to say. I think when you, if you got him on his own, he'd probably say the guy's, I fucking hate him. So his I build, actually- I thought um, everyone liked how, how funny he was anyway, but Holloway brings the human out of you in the post-fight stuff because he posts so much. Yeah. And seeing them in the ambulance together and the comments in the octagon and all of that, I kind of knew he was a good guy because he had some accusations for a while after the Ortega fight went awry the first time in Mexico City when people were like chucking things and rioting in the arena. Is that because- Ortega? Was it not Jeremy Stevens? So he, he th- beat Jeremy Stevens, yeah. but it was Ortega because it was the main event. That wasn't the eye poke. I thought it was the Jeremy Stevens eye poke where people kicked off. Maybe they, it was. Because they accused him of quitting, weren't they? Yeah, I think you could be right. The, the, there was a fight with Ortega that fell through because mm. of an eye poke, but maybe, yeah, maybe I got it confused. But I remember thinking, yeah, the perception of him was kind of a... Well, what these fans are bastards, and therefore, by yeah. virtue of it, he is as well. Well, because he, no, he was up on the cage calling him a pussy and all of this stuff. Yeah, as well. yeah. Um, and I think none of us really need a second chance to dislike Jeremy Stevens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Brendan Fitzgerald hiding under a desk, which Bisping was mocking him for. Which <laughs> seems like that's the one we, we would always laugh at. Um, from the P Money Dot Rotten Diss Tracks, where he says, you cried when you had a gun put to your head. And it was like, seemed fairly reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> and this one, it, this being like mocks him and it's like, I mean, there was pints and glass bottles <laughs> yeah, being thrown yeah. from it. It seems fairly reasonable to get under the desk. <laughs> and, yeah, and then we get to the main event and probably just as much as you could have hoped for outside of the only, if, if Volk had like iced him in that first round, that's, the only yeah. thing close really to or in the last yeah. or if they'd had this and then he finished yeah. it if he'd kind of yeah been struggling and then pulled it around yeah. this was in terms of being a good fight this was it's probably the best thing Makachev could have hoped for as well yeah agreed because yeah. if Makachev had just dominated him taken him down it would have been well you're the bigger guy yeah yeah and now what do we do with you because if you're just going to do this with everyone well yeah. Whereas I guess people will look at that and go, "Well, I'll back myself to catch him with the shots that Volk did, but I'll take him out. I'm a naturally bigger guy, or whatever." Yeah, it's unfortunate there's no one that you look at in, say, the top five, top ten, and say, "Well, that's the guy." One because different fighters, but we've seen what happened when you face Khabib, and it's going to be a similar game plan. Like he's my favorite fighter in the UFC, but I'm not being tricked by. Gaethje going in there and having a focused performance again because no, um, no. Khabib I'll let you off Khabib yeah. that night as Gaethje says his his dad had just died he was going to retire from the sport last one. there was no way he was losing on that night no no he's right the, the Oliveira one I'm it's not my position to do so I'm quite resentful in that <laughs> Well, just because I know what you can do. Yeah. And 
you got clipped. I know it can happen, but you just chucked it all away. And mm. so I hate the stuff after of, you know, I was hurt going in. No matter who it is, I hate that. Yeah, it's rough, Say it beforehand it? or don't don't yeah. get in there. And so Makachev, to take down Volkanovsky is impressive in itself. You're mm. not going to see really anyone else doing that unless they've rocked him. Like, Volk ending up on the bottom against Brian Ortega isn't because Brian Ortega worked a fantastic takedown. No, no. It's because he had a submission hold on him. This was really, really impressive. He showed more dog than I think anyone gave him credit for, even though he took some shots from uh, Oliveira. Um, I think in the Striking same, was clean. Yeah. Like a lot cleaner than we probably thought he was going to be. Won't hold the Dan Hooker accusations against him until we know any more. Yeah. Although he seems very convinced. Um, <laughs> yeah. Didn't hedge his bets. But he? when you're starting out, it was essentially, you think we won't hear this happen. It's like, this doesn't sound as conclusive as it could be. Like, uh, I don't know. I thought it was a fairly easy fight to score in that I thought it was at least a 3-2. I thought, if anything, it was the one round you were going to debate. Whether yeah, I thought, was it round two? It's a bit of a yeah. swing round, was it? I thought. I wouldn't well, no, have argued too much until three. Because round one, we think Volk rocks him and then he get, he ends up on the bottom for the end of the round as well. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it, I think it was wishful thinking when it came to the judges that we were like, has Volk maybe, if they saw it, we, there was some dodgy judging earlier in the night. When I see Rogan saying, look, there was a rumour five of us and we all thought Volkanovski won, it's like, for a start, I've seen that rumour people. If you say Volkanovski won, they're all going to agree. Yeah. Shorb's just scrolling. His whole scorecard, he's just scribbled. You know what? I've changed it. There's a video of Eddie Bravo um, trying Shorb's whiskey and he's screwing his face and he just pushes it to the side like that and reaches for another drink afterwards. <laughs> I saw Brian Callan there. I know Keenan likes him, but I mean, it's funny, but probably not the guy I'm going to rely on his knowledge of MMA judging. Also, yeah, again, also in a room with Rogan yeah. Bravo and Shaw, but he's uh, going to be corrupted. So it's ropey. I thought Volk, it isn't one where if they did a rematch, I would say that's the absolute best he's ever going to do. He can never do better than that. That was his peak potential. Kind of how the fear we have with Catherine and Josh Taylor. That was his night. Yeah. And if they yeah. do it again, the class is going to come through. Volk is someone you back to adjust and Makachev, obviously a very intelligent fighter. You'd back him to do the same. So... Yeah, you can happily watch it again next month. Could, yeah, you know, just, if they did it again, you, yeah, I'll, you don't I'll need I'll to watch that. do it straight away. You can let Makachev build his uh, wins up. I don't think he'll be in a rush to move up in weight. No. So you let Volkanovski do the same again. There's a couple of contenders there. He's not fought Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett might get a couple of wins and then you can do him. You can Vulcan, do Yair. Volkan Yair is a really good fun fight, isn't it? Yeah. Somebody you, you could make a case for Yair winning. Yeah, because it's always the thing when someone kicks, has the kicks and knees that they go up against a wrestler that that's going to be there. Yeah. And it seems to get held against Volk that he was nearly submitted by Ortega, like the most dangerous submission artist in the division. Yeah. I mean, 
how many other fighters would have survived that? And it's, it should be to his credit, shouldn't it? Yeah. So then now we've just really got to uh, build up to Jones Gunn because I mean, Andrade Blanchfield, Andrade, I'm a big fan, but not tickling Yaguchi in the same. As Kr- a headliner, Krilov Span is like <laughs> offensive to the eyes. <laughs> and then you've got just a crazy run. I don't know if you've seen from March the fourth to. April 22nd, where we don't know what the main event is yet, in back-to-back weeks, it's Jones Garn, Jan vs. Dvajfili, butchered that, um, Edward Zuzman 3, Vera Santagin, Pereira Adesanya 2, Holloway vs. Allen. Fucking hell. Yeah. That's a good run. And that's where you have the question of, do we like the run like that or would you rather chuck a Space couple of those on one card and it's like... Make it a big night. Yeah, yeah. Usman yeah. Edwards is pay-per-view, by the way. Is it? Of course yeah. it is. Um, and you've got, you've got Wood Lara to uh, say for next weekend. To exactly. Avoid yeah. Next weekend. Not bad. So, very, very good. Um, maybe re-watch uh, Volk again, but I think the people that are scoring it to him are wanting to see something. I wanted him to, yeah. so yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can understand. But... There we go. I mean, two hours, 45 minutes. I think we've probably got everything covered. So, uh, Fair play to those who made it to the end. Yeah. Credit where you. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. As I said, Movie Madness this Friday, Training Day versus Two Guns. See you there. Adios. <laughs>